Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example, and this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. (laughs) You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session.
Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, I've been gone for three weeks, and it shows. It shows. Got out of work the buttons, or uh, I don't really know what happened. Actually, things just broke at the last second. Things will do that. Seem to be working now. Hey, welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, my show vacation is over. Oh, it's like great. A, to that's see like you. a sabbatical. You were gone a long time. I was. I, I missed uh, three weeks of shows. Um, I don't know how that worked out that way, missed, but you missed it was three like weeks two where we actually weeks. had shows. I missed show. one show. Yeah, oh. so I, we had two <laughs> yeah. off weeks, and Warren then missed three weeks of shows. <laughs> right, and then you guys did a show without me, which I yeah. hear went great. It was fun. And, uh, I had a good time. Mm-hmm. My friends in here got my back, and uh, you know, it's hmm. good. Yeah. Good. Even whoever they are. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I'd like everyone to know that I'm. I'm really doing great since my vacation. Oh, I was wondering how you were doing. Yeah, no, how things are. Up? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm drinking twice as much, and I've taken up smoking. So. All right. Officially. Because <laughs> you've, yeah. you've always been playing around with it. You've been dating smoking for a while. I have been dating smoking yeah. for the last couple of years, and I decided to just get in bed with it. It's official. Mm. <laughs> okay, good. Right. You are an idiot. I am such an idiot, yeah. So I'm really, I feel like I'm uh, dealing with things very well. Yes. With all it's of all things. under control. It's all yeah. under control. Yeah. No stress here. No. Nothing I can't handle. Right. Um, Not with the two crutches. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just, yeah, just. Oh, yeah, just a couple. Yeah. Make up a new one every few months or so. Yeah. <laughs> feel, like, feel like Tiny Tim. Well, since the last show when I was you know, really complaining about my job, I got some, uh, I got some pretty good feedback from oh, listeners, good. actually. Advice, I yeah. got some nice feedback. And uh, some of them were very – you know what? People wrote to me like they were my friend, which I appreciated. Nice. Like they said some nice things. But the, the gist of most of them were um, <laughs> either shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Or actually go leave. Go take a vacation. Like, yeah. go away. Go no. on sabbatical. Do whatever it is you need to do. Just stop complaining. Because, but stop complaining. <laughs> and also, we want the show to go on. Yeah. So fix it. Well, that's good. So that's they want fun. me to go. If, if they were basically saying, if you really feel like you need to hit the road yeah. and go do something, if that means we get to keep the show in the long run, yeah. then do it. But, that's but cool. if you're not going to do it... Yeah. I don't want to hear about it anymore. <laughs> so, which was fair. Huh. Which All is a, or nothing. Which is a fair assessment. Yeah. But I like the I like the uh, the the, fee, the feeling from the fans that yeah. they want the show. They they like the content so much that uh, you know they, yeah. they want to they want to keep hearing. Yeah. It. That's cool. No matter what damage it does to his lungs, right, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, or, or everything else. Yeah. So uh, I am feeling better about the show in general, and don't worry, the show will go on. Uh, I do still like the idea of changing things up a little bit, so I might hit the road and change up how the content uh, gets to you, maybe a little more sure. video, stuff like that. But that's all in the works and kind of a of a long-term plan, so I'm happy to be back in the studio, and um, we'll, we'll just keep... Uh, plugging along. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Yeah. While you drive another tobacco nail into your own coffin. I know. It's such a dumb thing to, it's really to, stupid. to take up. I just, I'm surprised. You know, I don't know anybody who's decided to smoke, like, <laughs> right. voluntarily. Yeah. I thought that wave yeah. had passed when, uh, you know, in, like, the 90s or the 2000s, yeah. Yeah. whatever. Because um, every time I see people smoke, I go, what? Who fucking decides? You know what I'm going to do today is start smoking. And I don't know that I did. Now that's you. I don't know yeah. that I decided to. I mean, at some point, obviously, you, you, you know, there, there's a decision-making process. <laughs> yes. But, I, yeah, I don't think, like, I planned it. I think I just kind of, you know, I had one here, and then I had one there, and then. Right. Oh, yeah, Those the are French, all the decisions. The Frenchies had cigarettes, didn't The French yeah. people were around me smoking a lot on the trip. Yeah. Uh, 
It's a stressful time. It's I don't a know. stressful It's the time. holidays, you know. <laughs> I got to be around my mother. Look how look how well it's working out for her. <laughs> Listen, she will drive uh, the healthiest of people to smoking. <laughs> uh, Lance Armstrong would pick up uh, smoking around that woman. Uh, Insane. It's like Harry Potter's wand. It chooses you. You don't get to choose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, in the meantime, sucks. thanks for holding down the fort over here. I heard you had a great show. Yeah, it's good. Um, and we got a great show for you tonight. We're going to be speaking with Mark Colburn, who is, he's really, he's like a beer marketing guru. Oh. And he has been doing this for years. And when I originally spoke to him, I was checking out his book, which is called Craft Beer Marketing, Brace for Skewmageddon, uh, which, as you know, is happening right like now. It. There's so many new craft breweries opening all the time that yeah. it's hard to get a place on the shelf. I think it was hard five years ago. Never mind now. Sure. And at first, I thought he would just give us this uh, the, the professional perspective. But when he sent me over his notes for the show, he's actually really talking to you homebrewers tonight. And he's <laughs> going to talk to you about how to take it from homebrew to pro. Uh, and in his words, I think it's like, you know, how do we go from, like, uh, amateur to the NFL? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Great. So cool. I think there's going to be a lot to learn uh, from Mark about how you, you, know, you really need to uh, line things up and get ready to become a pro brewer. Yeah. And right now, the Brewers Association just uh, put out a press release that there are now officially two breweries opening a day in the United States. Uh, we now also yeah. have a record amount of breweries in the country. Um, so it's finally exceeded the pre-prohibition amount of breweries by, you know, I don't know, it's only like 10 or 20, but that's changing every day. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But Literally. It, it sounds silly. Oh, well, of course we have a record amount. We always have. And that's not true. We had more breweries before pre-prohibition, uh, pre-prohibition until now. Right. Uh, and now we, we have actually exceeded that amount. So Sounds like it's time for another prohibition. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a good show. Yeah. We're going to be talking to Mark about that, and uh, we'll do some beer nose and things like that. Um, let me give you some updates and some announcements on the show itself and what's happening here. Uh, one of them uh, you might find interesting to, to, to know is that the session needs a producer. Uh, Scott Moskowitz has decided to step down as producer of the program. He's going to keep focusing on the Sour Hour, his other show, and some other Brewing Network projects we have going. And, of course, the Hop Grenade, which uh, you know he's a, a part of. So uh, he will no longer be producing the session, which leads me to a search for a new producer. Um, so... If you've got any local friends, I don't want a producer from afar. You have yeah. to, I have to be able to abuse you in person. Right. Local to us, not to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Keep that in mind. So yeah. if you're in Ohio, in Akron, ain't no one trying to look for you. Yeah. So any of our local uh, Brewing Network listeners, uh, if you have a, a, fashion, a fascination with beer and uh, you're very, very, very well organized and you've got a little time on your hands. And have a high tolerance for abuse. Uh, you have a high tolerance <laughs> for abuse. Hey, Tubby, uh, get over here. And a low self-esteem. <laughs> and a very, yeah. yeah. Uh, then no, we're no. looking for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, send me an email, justin at thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, we're going to be searching high and low. In the meantime... Um, I'll be producing the show, I guess. <laughs> we'll be searching mostly oh. low. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> yeah. high. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, don't worry. It? It's a paid gig. I'm not looking for more volunteers. Um, and, uh, yeah. So we are looking for a new producer here on the program uh, to take us into 2016 and beyond. Whoa. <laughs> wow. That's terrible. Huh. Uh, you know, there's a guy. I know a guy, a local guy. He lives... Half a block away, that would be perfect for it. Yeah. Super organized. He has all his stuff in a plastic bag. 
and he has free rent. He sleeps in the elevator. Oh, so he's very Bebo close. knows him. Yeah, super close. You know, yeah. he can come yeah. in at a moment's notice. Totally fine. The homeless guy. Access, I do know him. Doesn't have access to the internet, really, but that's fine. <laughs> well, we have that here. Right. So, he can just yeah. come in here. He's and, very uh, mobile. He's super mobile. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a tough job. It will require some of your time. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as opposed to none of your as time. As opposed to none of your time. Which would be a really easy job. It's yeah. not like you can just come in for the, I think people think, oh, you just show up for the show and you hang out and you drink beer for three hours. Right. And, then, and that's you as the producer. And maybe and make sure people show up on time. <laughs> and maybe, that's yeah. really not the case. Right. So, no, uh, you don't even need to come to the show, frankly. Somebody uh, emailed me, Tasty, uh, that you spoke to. Oh, yeah. I met um, a guy. I thought he'd be good for it. Yep. So I responded. Uh, sure. Hopefully we'll be meeting up for a beer. Um, the search is on. Maybe we'll do uh, a little on-air competition Ooh. of the finalists. Oh. Maybe. It has to happen. Yeah. Some uh, American Idol action for... Uh, Brewing Network producer. Am yeah. I the only one that thinks that's a bad idea? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> okay. I think it sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, because you got to get a feel for us, and we have right. to get a feel for the amount of abuse you can take. That's right. You know. That's right. And uh, and your professionalism. You know, we're looking for someone to step up our game, of course. We're always right. looking to grow here at the Brewing Network. We are. Sort of. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not well, just our beards. A oh. flat line grows exponentially. It keeps I guess it moving. gets longer. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it does get longer. It doesn't go up or down. Right. It just gets longer. Yeah. That's why it's a flat line. Right. Thank you. All right. So if you're local here in uh, California, in the, in Northern California, send me an email, justin at thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, if you got any friends, tell them. Okay. Uh, Winterfest. It's not really going to be Winterfest. It's now on April 2nd, Saturday, April 2nd. I had to move it. I gave you the whole long story on the last show. Um, just wanted to keep you guys up to date. It is officially Saturday, April 2nd. I'll have to give it another name. Do we have a naming <laughs> contest? Springfest. Spring oh, I'll just call it Winterfest. Sprinterfest. Can I just call it Winterfest? <laughs> sure. Winterfest, I... April Fools. Yeah. Can I call it like <laughs> all the winter beer the brewers have left fest? Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We're getting the tail end instead of the front end. No, well, it's never been about uh, winter beer per se. Anyway, it was about bigger beers. and And uh, they all had beers for beer week, and we were getting all those before anybody else got them. Yeah. Well, now we're getting getting them after. (laughs) I think it'll be fine. It's long enough after. Yeah. Uh, Beer week is now in January. That's why we're moving. Uh, So, anyhow, April 2nd, mark your calendars. Hope you didn't buy flights or anything. Um, you can still buy Moskowitz's Hop Life gear. Go to hoplifestore.com and check it out. He's got great uh, original artwork on both prints and clothing and all sorts of stuff. Go to hoplifestore.com. And, of course, we've got Brewing Network gear. If you want to do your Christmas shopping on the Brewing Network store, hit the store button on the homepage and, and do that. It's, we've got a lot of great stuff in there, and it will get to you before Christmas because we don't handle it anymore. So, <laughs> Which is why it gets to you. That's why it gets to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could also do all of your Christmas shopping, if you're not just looking for Brewing Network gear, any of your Christmas shopping, through Amazon by clicking the Amazon link on the right side of our homepage. Then you just go shop as normal, and uh, we get a little piece of the action. A lot of you guys do that. It's a great way to support us. So thanks. Subscribe and join the BN Army. Um, just uh, click the Donate button right there by the Amazon button, and if you become a recurring donor, you're entered for a chance to win $100 every month to our great sponsor more beer more beer is a sponsor of this program and every session that we do and uh, they give away 100 bucks a month to one of you lucky donors all right get all these updates and more over on twitter and the facebook b- that one uh send your feedback to feedback 
at thebrewingnetwork.com. Do we have a Twitter game tonight? We do have a Twitter game tonight. All right, the Twitter game is brought to you by the Lebrewski Cruise, which we're all going on in the first week of March. Well, all but Tasty. Uh, tasty Sands Tasty. What? Sands Tasty. Uh, I'll be in some... New Zealand. Wow, that's Whoa. right. Yeah. I tried Fucking to get the cruise to turn that way. Turn that way. Yeah. But no. Make a hard right. Tasty has a, a ring to go throw into a mountain or some bullshit. <laughs> yes. I got the ring. <laughs> uh, the Labruski Cruise, you click the uh, uh, Labruski icon on our homepage or go to LabruskiCruise.com and join us. Beardy is the latest BN member to join the the ship. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Yeah, Beardy's right. going now. I'm going. JP, yeah. Doc. Uh, I think I talked Bevo into letting Sam go over the Oh, weekend. really? Yeah. I think it's going to happen. Yeah? yeah. Oh, so now you're going to yeah. get to hang out with Sammy the douche. Well, uh, you will. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Moskowitz is going. It's uh, Man, what a party that's going to be. A lot of great bands. Did I say Doc? Doc's going. You did say Doc. Uh, Doc is definitely going. A lot yeah. of great bands. A lot of great beer. So uh, check it out. Uh, also, the winners of our Twitter games, I think we're going to wrap this up either next week or maybe in the last show in December. Uh, if you won the Twitter game, you're entered for a chance to win a cabin on the Labruski Cruise. So, play the Twitter game. What What is our game tonight, JP? Well, uh, Justin, I don't know, since you're not super tied into the social medias. Right. Um, I don't know if you heard about this hashtag, Thanksgiving with black people. That I have was not. super popular. You didn't hear about that? No, I It was not. all sorts of memes huh. going around um, about uh, that showed us kind of various uh, stereotypical insights into the popular holiday that you would have with, um, you know, uh, black, if you were black, black families, right? Okay, like, uh, like turkey and mashed potatoes. No, there's a couple of them that <laughs> yeah, are like. like uh, well, here I'll show you right now. Cranberry so, sauce. It, you know, it's Gravy. just a typical meme where like there's a a young man in despair. He's like his eyes are closed, clearly pain on his face, and the comment is when the juice from the greens touches your cornbread. Thanksgiving with black families, okay. and it was like a super popular thing, and hit the the news. Really? Then there was a um, uh, Thanksgiving with Mexican families, okay. and then all that kind of stuff. It was like all in good fun. It's not a racist thing at all. And, all right. Uh, Just at least to I don't mention, think it is. Terrence commented on that particular one, and he was like, "Seriously, so gross." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, there's a guy in uh, you know uh, in a trauma room, and it says like, uh, "Sorry, honey, all the macaroni and greens is gone," and he's just like on his deathbed because he wow. can't believe. It. Anyway, okay. Uh, so that kind of I think broke the internet for the holidays. Anyway, um, so I'm wondering what everyone thinks uh, the hashtag Christmas with the Bring Network will show the world. Okay. What did we do? What, what, what are we going to do? Uh, or what sadness will we find? Exactly. What, what, you know, what meme-generating uh, stereotypical nonsense will white yeah. craft beer drinkers bring to the Internet? Yeah. I'll, get, I'll start it out. Okay. Uh, add a pack of cigarettes to your turkey. <laughs> when, uh, when, when you can't bum another cigarette off Uncle Ralph, and then yeah. you like holding your head in your hands. Uh, just so sad. Getting to take three weeks of vacation whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Good so Twitter go. game. I like it. Well, uh, we'll see. Send it in. Okay. Let's do some feedback. Feedback's brought to you today by our good friend John over at the Beer Law Center. You can go to BeerLawCenter.com and check it out. He protects our trademark. He can protect yours, too. And uh, he also does brewery filings uh, in his state of uh, North Carolina. And he can help you with paperwork with uh, in other places, too. Uh, but uh, his main thing is North Carolina there. But he can do, you know, just about everything. Go check him out over at BeerLawCenter.com. A lot of feedback today is about... Um, well, the first one's different, but a lot about people donating to the show, which yeah. I really, which I really oh, like. People have been uh, 
To see, I think my complaining actually helps. Huh. <laughs> like people then com- think they, people complain yeah. about my complaining, but it works. Like breweries have started to contact us about um, becoming sponsors since I started complaining. Very good. And uh, I think people are afraid that I'm really quitting, <laughs> as they should be. Afraid? I don't know if afraid is the right. Uh... <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Kevin writes in. Uh, this is the subject line: allergic reaction to certain beers. Hey, I'm emailing to see if you guys have heard of people having allergic reactions to only certain beers. When I have a reaction, I cough a lot and have trouble breathing through the mouth. <laughs> but my nose is fucking oh, clears the bill. Yeah. He says, I've heard on the Sour Hour that Bevo has a reaction to sour beers, and that got me thinking that maybe you guys may have heard of this before. A lot of times I've had reactions. I was drinking a, a flight or had drank several different beers in a row. Uh, I do know these four beers below have caused me to have a reaction, and they are August Shell, Cypress Blanc, Mazama Brewing Grand Cru, <laughs> Uh, just a random beer. A Payette wow. Brewing Tatanka Blank White IPA. Don't even get me started on Payette Brewing, dude. And, and Backside Brewing, which, huh. <laughs> Backside. I mean, really, guys? Did we did we really think this one out? That'd be hey. great if his allergic reaction was severe diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did did they not? I can't wait to the marketing show we're doing tonight where we where we talk about what you name your brewery. <laughs> Uh, that was probably back, their first choice. Also, backside brewing uh, the bitter truth IPA. Breaking wind cider company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just stab my throat ale company. <laughs> I mean, let's just go all the way and go intestinal cancer. Yeah, you know, brewing yeah. company. Your liver sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> brewing company. Break this down, fuckers. <laughs> brewing company. Yeah, uh, you know. All right, so I have allergic reactions to certain beers, but it's not like just some random brand or random something. I can't drink too much wheat. If the, I your style, uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's style. Yeah, right. if I drink too many too many wheat beers, uh, I'm pretty sick the next day. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how to answer this really. I guess everybody has a little something. If I remember right, Bevo's thing is not being allergic to something; it's the acid. Just, yeah. So yeah. it's not sour beers. Don't give me a, a reaction other than heartburn and that's just because i'm old now yeah um but saisons actually i don't drink because i do have a reaction my mouth will get uh really weird and itchy on the inside and my lips will get puffy and okay like, so that's weird, an allergic, allergic reaction so and then i yeah. i've tested could this. be I wheat stopped also drinking it and then been got been fine and then started again in an hour and it happens all over and that's saisons you it's said saisons so you could have a wheat thing as well so i just avoid them and i'm Try thinking i'm guessing that. that some of these like the cypress blanc from august shell is going to be a wheat the yeah. blanco white ipa i'm thinking probably has wheat in it yeah. uh it might be a wheat thing for you dude what was the other one um there's a white Ma- IPA. mazama brewing grand crew and backside brewing the bitter truth IPA. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's a, a an allergic reaction caused by phenols, like because a lot of those would most likely have Belgian strains, mm. and especially like the saisons. Like some people um, react like to fruits too with phenols and tannins and stuff, and so it could be maybe even a yeast derived. I have a severe allergy. mango allergy. Okay, allergy. All right, that could be it. So, so I, the, the ask your doctor is a Belgian strong pale ale. So to Beardy's point, it might maybe there's some Hmm. phenols that he's not, uh, you know, super copacetic with. Yeah. I don't envy you because it's better if you just know. Like, if you know you're gluten intolerant or whatever, then at least you know what it is. But if it's just, you know, every time you go out drinking, it's a a gamble, you know. 
playing Russian roulette with a flight of beers of whether or not you're going to cough and choke for the rest of the night. It's not fun. That's not fun. I get the same reaction when I drink porters. Like I get, a, I'm kind of allergic to that style. Yeah. If I drink too many, I get super fucking awesome. <laughs> so it's a whole thing. That's I try to weird, avoid. That it sounds much, terrible. I try to avoid it as much as possible. All right. Uh, another Kevin writes in. Uh, good noon, Askcasters. I just wanted to say that my loyal subscription for two dollars a month has been canceled. <gasps> what? Dun, dun, dun. But he said this was mostly due to my card expiring, and they sent me a new one, um, yeah. which I now. And then he goes through a long story about what he has to do now with his new card. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but uh, he says I have been listening to your shows for free, and my beer is amazing because of it. Um, so I want to say thank you. And now suck on these Ranger nuts, bitches, because I renewed that shit for twenty twenty. So he signed. He went from two to twenty a month. Nice. And Kevin, that I do care about. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Sent while I was on the toilet, he says. We're going to produce it right over there to suck on those ranger nuts. Uh, yeah. We don't have one. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. This one's titled, Finally a Donor. I'm writing to register my vote for a PayPal alternative. As I remember you mentioned on the session a few weeks ago, you were looking into the possibility of accepting alternative payment methods. I know that PayPal does a lot to make it easy for you. Um, and then he tells a long story about his situation and why he can't use PayPal. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like a, a paragraph and a half. No, it's three paragraphs. Uh, all right. Two. Um Anyway, oh, he says JP shortened this excuse too. Uh, I, I wrote that. I okay. wrote that in there. Yeah, it was I, a long thing about he had a frat. My PayPal thing. is fucked for boring reasons. I know that's gonna be like it's a whole thing. Like, yeah. uh, well, first the earth cooled, and then I went to the frat party. <laughs> Dude, and it was even better. It was like uh, I, I used my PayPal so I could you know uh, help gather the profits from the from the frat shirt, <laughs> and thing. then they wanted a tax thing, and then they would. And I'm like, what is your point? <laughs> Just What's saying. your point? And then say, this is the same guy who'll complain that his wife tells him too many uh, interest, like uninteresting uh, things when she talks. Right. Wants her to get to the point of yeah. everything. All right. Well, I guess he did actually. He's still using PayPal and has signed up to be a donor. So thank you so much for that. Um, I am working on an alternative um, payment method, but it's part of a larger project. I'm going to be honest with you. So it's going to take some time because I'm not just going to redo our donor program without redoing this other project that i'm working on right to provide more member benefits and some things like that to our donors so it's going to take a little while folks i hear you that you want something other than paypal i will work on it as part of our new uh, like right now we're brewing network website 3.0 right. 3.1 is coming oh snap um, and so wow. hang in there for that and and then i'll i'll see what i can do all right uh jordan writes in this one's titled creaminess without sweetness <laughs> which is my R&B album. And <laughs> <laughs> the new album from Jason. <laughs> it's very uh, aggressive uh, lovemaking From tactics. Jason mm. Smooth Jazz Petros. <laughs> very aggressive jazz. <laughs> <laughs> like just, just whatever. All right, Tasty, wake up for a second. This one oh, is, uh, I have a question for you on body. I like a nice <laughs> creamy mouthfeel for my lagers and have been experimenting with mash temps in an attempt to get that. I've tried a couple batches where I mashed high at Beersmith's uh, full body setting, he says. Uh, but in addition to getting a thicker mouthfeel, I have found this to leave too much residual sweetness. Is there a way to add the creamy body that I seek but without also sweetening the beer? From Jordan. What do you guys think? Well, the, uh, the ferment. The lager. <laughs> the lager. Of course, the loggers, you always want to you know, pitch an extra large, uh, let's just say an appropriate uh, pitch size. If I was going to mash high, I would like you know, increase that as well. 
uh, possibly it's just not getting to all the uh, fermentables because the the elements of the malt that add the body uh, aren't going to taste sweet. They're going to, you know, has, have a uh, more of a texture than they do a, a flavor. Okay. So I think he might have just under attenuated. Oh, I see. Yeah. Underpitched. Right. All right. Otherwise, I mean, anything else that you're trying to, you know, you could do add some other things that that uh, that don't add sweetness, like maybe some uh, flaked oats or something like that, and small and some reasonable quantities to, to add body. That's what I was wondering if he ha- if he needs to other make some additions what about to his mash. Dextrin malt. You just add pure dextrin, which of course is you know just the. The unfermentable part of the malt can have been extracted for you. So that's what, like a bag of the yeah, DME, the powdered. Uh, yeah, it looks like DME. In fact, it's used to be really common to an extra ba- extract batches to always add some of that because mm-hmm. they always taste it kind of thin. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, it's some uh, some bodybuilding adjuncts other than like you know crystal malts, which you don't want to put into that beer. Yeah. Okay. So you like the high mash temps? I li- that's fine. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know what he did. He say how high. You know, he didn't really say. He just uh, whatever that. He uh, may have gone too high. Beer you know, like, setting is certainly if you want to add body in a, in a beer like that. One fifty six, one fifty seven is about as high as I think you'd want to go. Okay, yeah, that's high, but some people might go crazy and go one fifty eight. That's too high. Okay, <laughs> one fifty seven, and that's that. That's it. Stop. You're, you're getting too aggressive. You're making making something fermentable. Okay. All right, good enough. That's your uh, feedback for today. Brought to you by John at Beer Law Center. Go to beerlawcenter.com. dot com. Give him a call. He's a good guy. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Mark Colburn, who's going to be talking to us about craft beer marketing. And I think you're going to want to hear this, especially if you have those pipe dreams of opening your own brewery. We've never done a topic quite this in-depth on the show before about marketing. So hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to MoreBeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. 
This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at BrewersPublications.com. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? First Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. Brewcasters are back. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for sticking with us. Boy, do we have a lot to do tonight because we're going to talk about craft beer marketing and how you can get uh, your homebrew to the professional world. Yeah. So that I can drink it at the Hop Grenade, for example, where we broadcast live every Monday, except for when we don't. Yeah. And then uh, you can see it on the list and go, oh, and bypass it totally for Pale 31. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like I did tonight. Although my first beer tonight actually was a uh, down-to-earth Session IPA from our friends over at the 21st Amendment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Beer's tasting great coming out of that new brewery now. Yeah, Pretty they're good, making right? great beers. I yeah. finally tasted the El Sully. Oh, my God. No. Finally? It was at the wedding. 
He missed it. I don't think I drank it at the wedding. Oh. But, and if I did, I wouldn't you remember. Got, well, anyway. because we had Pale 31 on tap. We had Pale 31. <laughs> yeah. And I drank most of it at the wedding, I think. Of the El Sully? Yeah. 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 I, I had half a can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, oh, sorry. Uh, JP here got yeah, I married. I got married Mark. in September. Uh, so we had a Thank you very much. Yeah, Me yeah. too. Uh, oh. Did you? Yeah. Twinsies. Okay. Oh, look at you guys. <laughs> you didn't have any El Sully there, though. <laughs> All right. Before we move on, I'm going to introduce you uh, to our guest, but I want to let you know about a wonderful new sponsor sponsor of ours over at Great Fermentations, a wonderful homebrew shop. You can go check them out at uh, greatfermentations.com, and they have the largest catalog of Blickman products on the web. They're really oh, wow. into Blickman stuff, which is another one of our great sponsors, so you can go check it out there. Uh, they provide same-day shipping on some of the main items. Uh, most vendors can tape up to take up to three weeks on that stuff, but uh, not at Great Fermentations. So if you're looking for Blickman gear, you can go there. And... Um, their staff's also some of the best trained on Blickman products. And the Blickman stuff is so awesome that you, you got to know what the hell you're doing. So these guys do top-notch customer service. Go check them out over at greatfermentations.com and welcome them to the Brewing Network family because they're supporting the show so that we can keep doing this for you. And uh, we're really happy that they're doing that. So thanks, guys, over at Great Fermentations. Okay, so with us right now, we got Mark Colburn, who is the author of the book Craft Beer Marketing, Brace for Skewmageddon. Which is pretty much happening right now already, isn't it, Mark? Absolutely. I mean, we're Tons in of the products out there. We're in the middle of skewmageddon. Uh, mm. Mark dropped this book off to me a little while ago, and I was checking it out. And yeah. you know, we were just going to do a little segment. Like a lot of times, we do that with with books where we just go, "Yeah, come in, we'll talk about it for fifteen minutes." Yeah. But I looked at this book, and I go. Oh, no. It's too much. This too, we got to do a show. Like you got to come in here and, and help our listeners figure this stuff out. Yeah. Skewmageddon's coming. That's because, yeah, yeah, I was really yeah, worried yeah. about it. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's yeah. Mark's own scare tactic. Yeah, the Mayans <laughs> have predicted this. <laughs> now, Mark, you've been in the industry for uh, a long time now. 30 uh, years. 30 years. And a lot on the marketing and distribution side. That's Yeah, that's it. That's your thing. Yep. Uh, what did you go to school for? I uh, went to Sac State just locally here, got my bachelor's in business, and then uh, off to get a master of science in marketing. And wow. after grad school, yeah, I'm sort of a, a marketing purist. Um, and after grad school, I went into the ad agency business here in San Francisco and worked for um, a large agency called Gray Advertising as a marketing research analyst. So I got uh, a real taste of the uh, beverage business. We went after the California Cooler account, which maybe some people here, maybe Tasty, you remember? Oh, yeah, that I remember one. that. Oh, California yeah. Cooler, yeah. Pretty cool brand. And then uh, Shasta Beverages out of Hayward, local brand out here, and then Coors Banquet. So did that for about five years and then went to a company called Honey Hill Farms as a brand manager. And we went ahead and introduced a, a pint product in the super premium pint category mm-hmm. that went head to head with Hagen dazs and Ben and & Jerry's and those kind of guys. And that was a real cool experience for me in that I got to um, get involved with the sales teams on all the chain presentations. And that's part of what uh, I'll, I'll talk about a little bit later here is is really getting to know the chains and the challenge of those presentations, the Safeways, the Kroger's, the Publix, the big dogs. So how and, you get your product into these chains, essentially, when you do that. Yes. Who does those cha- those chain presentations? I know we're going to get more into this, but I'm just thinking, as a small brewer, am I the person who does that normally, or you have someone represent you? Well, you, you have, uh, I, I'd say it's probably the former rather than the latter. Okay. But you can hire a broker. You can hire somebody uh, with some experience to make that presentation. But my recommendation would be if, if the entrepreneurial brewer is able to present pretty well and with some coaching and, you know, reading some things in my book, uh, I think that they'd be able to make that presentation. I think the 
passion comes through. And if you do happen to have a, a sales uh, professional, maybe you hire a salesperson on board, you obviously want to have that person. If you're a little bit larger, maybe you have the marketing person like at Honey Health Farms where I was the brand guy. And you can talk to marketing, you can talk to sales, and you really work that uh, buyer as much as you can because the probability is going to be really tough as we talked earlier about, you know, Skumageddon. It is absolutely crazy out there. There's limited shelf space. Yeah, absolutely. Worse than ever. Uh, okay. And so, uh, and now you're at uh, DBI Beverage, Golden Brands DBI, which is a really a major distributor here in the Bay Area. Uh, and I would assume maybe elsewhere. Yeah, um, I uh, just just going back a little bit. I also have taught for twelve years, undergrad and graduate marketing advertising. I worked for a company called Earth Grains as a brand champion category manager. So I've got the the category management experience uh, too. Then I worked for the, the British government as their U.S. food and beverage marketing specialist, whereby I really just worked for whiskey, cider, hard cider, ale, and beer companies out of the U.K. wanting to export their products to the U.S. Okay. And, that's, and I wrote marketing plans for them. So sorry to kind of go back a little no, bit. No, that's but, all right. But as far as uh, the more recently, uh, so I like to think I'm, I'm sort of a unique individual in that I'm a purist marketing guy with distribution experience. So on the distribution side, uh, consumer package goods is what I was trying to say. But uh, Golden Brands is one of the uh, – it's been around for about 80 years. Okay. And they were bought out in 2005 by a gentleman named uh, David Ingram. So – uh, with that purchase and some other purchases, DBI is now the fifth largest wholesaler slash distributor in the United States. Wow! So yeah, we're um, we're in San Francisco. We go all the way, almost up to the northern, or excuse me, the uh, Oregon border and way down past uh, into the Central Valley. Okay. So we hit all the good spots. And as far as what I do there, I'm the marketing guy, marketing manager, and I run a brand team, uh, a graphics team, a point of sale department. I uh, do all the special events. We do as many as 35 to 40 weekends a year. And wow. they range from, yeah, it's, it's pretty hectic. Uh, beer festivals, which are as common as you know, every single weekend. There's one or two going on, as I'm sure you gentlemen know. Well, we do, <laughs> we do yeah. one ourselves. So, yeah. yeah. We're always working those weekends. And then so we do the little guys all the way up to the uh, the Outside Lands uh, event, which is a, a monster over at Golden Gate Park. And mm-hmm. if you've ever been out there in San Francisco, it's a, it's a real cool one in August, first, uh, first or second week in August. So we've been doing that for eight or nine years. I also help launch brands, small, medium, and large, uh, uh, execute marketing plans for a lot of our, our brewers, develop sales plan incentives, and really try to motivate the sales teams. And, and I appreciate you mentioning the book and having me in here uh, today, gentlemen. Uh, as far as the book goes, I, I wrote it because I attended a lot of these conferences and seminars that I, that I think a lot of you also have attended uh, in the past couple of few years. And I remember that uh, as you, as, towards the end, if there was a marketing seminar or, or speaker giving their presentation, at the end there would be 50,000 questions on marketing and distribution. Yeah. So I felt sorry for the, the, the speaker because they could never answer all these questions. And I thought, wow, these brewers, they just absolutely need this information. So I started looking around and uh, I looked at, in, uh, into the, what's available book-wise, and there's not really a heck of a lot. There's a lot of great books on hops and fermentation and brewing mm-hmm. and yeasts and all those cool things. Uh, things and how to make great beer but what about marketing and distribution so yeah. i kind of sat down and it took me a little while but finally knocked out this book and i'm, I'm hoping that uh, it'll be of some value to some of your your listeners well it seems like the other uh, aspects of brewing uh, they just seem so much more approachable you have a passion for brewing so you can buy some books on hops you can learn about it you can buy books on fermentation you can learn about it but marketing just seems so outside of maybe the artistic passion that these young entrepreneurs and brewers have that uh, it's just not something you take on yourself, I think. So having a book like this, I think, is super helpful. Um, but I think also you could see why people, I think, just sort of write it off feeling like, 
well, I didn't go to school for marketing, so I'm never really going to learn this. I'm not going to know it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And it's it's a lot of people also with sort of big egos and such. They think, ah, you know, I can handle the marketing, no problem. But yeah. there, there actually is some science to it, and there's, uh, you know, it's 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 quite valuable. So, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more here shortly. Okay, excellent. So, where should we start? Uh, here I am. I'm a home brewer. I've been brewing for a while. People love my beer, and I've got this dream to to open a brewery. Great question. Thanks. Uh, Instead of just going uh, off into a big, long lecture on marketing and probably putting everybody to sleep tonight, I, I spent some time trying to think, and I'm not a home brewer, so I apologize for, I hope that this is going to help some of the listeners out there, but I tried to empathize and think, what would be a benefit for your listeners out there? So I've got a little uh, spiel here on what I call the home brewer evolution. So we're going to go through about four steps. And uh, first one is build your brand. And what I mean by that is is perfect your brand. Hmm. And I want you to think about what that word means to you, the word brand. Why do you buy a specific brand? Yeah. Why do you buy Levi's? Why do you, you, know, why do you, why do you come to the Hop Grenade? Um, why do you buy a certain um, anything? Um, so when you think of your brand, I want you to think from here on out, quality and consistency. I say that as a distributor wholesaler for 13 years. So when you think of your brand, always think of quality and consistency. That is what your consumers and your retail buyers will expect. Hmm. For example, you go to Burger King, you go into Oakland, Miami, London, Charleston, Cape Town, and for the most part, that Whopper is going to it's going to taste pretty much the same. Yeah. You might get different condiments and stuff, but anyways, um, that's what you want to do with your beer. So how do you know when your beer is ready for the marketplace? Yeah, because and this is a good question, by the way, because most of yeah. you think it's ready before it's ready. <laughs> so I'm glad that we're discussing this topic. <laughs> I think even, especially as a home brewer, you're pushing your beer out before it's ready, usually anyway, because yeah. you have time constraints. Yeah. And as a professional, yeah. you have to wait until the beer's done. Yeah. You, so that's a, that's a test right there. If you can't, if you can't wait already... As a home brewer, yeah, settle down. Yeah, calm yeah. down and learn and learn what we we'll learn. Like you said, consistency. Yeah, quality. Okay. Those are those are huge huge words. Okay, so how do we know? So um, my response to that is marketing research. And how do you go about this? Well, um, when it comes to marketing research, I don't want you you home brewers to rely on just friendly input. And what we uh, we, we call that in the industry, it's called the halo effect. And you're going to get biased, positive responses because, heck, you're giving your buddies free beer. Are they going to say it's <laughs> cruddy? No. So so you, you don't want to make business decisions based on friendly input. Uh, let's say also that maybe you're into a, a brew pub. Maybe you've got a small brew pub somewhere. And, and I also caution you against just jumping to conclusions based on some brew pub input. So hmm. what would be the optimum way to go about this? Well, it would be to go through qualitative marketing research, which would include focus groups. And you, I'm guessing that some of you out there have been in focus groups where you sit in a group of eight and you have a moderator. I've, I've done this before and it's pretty pretty fun actually. But but the, the bottom line is, heck, you're a home brewer. Do you have a budget for, for focus groups? Right. I doubt it. So <laughs> it's, it's going to cost you a heck of a lot of money. Come on, Mark. You know, we, I need a bottling machine. I need you know hops and all these cool 
cool things. So, all right. So I, I understand that. So, so one of the ways that I recommend to do marketing research to to know when your beer is ready is to to get into these beer festivals. We hinted on that earlier, and there's geez, there's two every freaking weekend, uh, at least in the Greater Bay Area, and I bet in every major metro there are two. These are perfect vehicles for brand trial. They're affordable. And you do more and more of them, and that increases your sample size. And from a marketing research perspective, it increases your validity. It also increases the probability of making good decisions when you bring these beers when they're finally ready for market. Mm. So when you're at these beer festivals and you're doing this marketing research, I want you to be there. You've got to be the person that's pouring that beer Mm. because you're going to get that immediate feedback from the consumers. Now, surprisingly, you're going to probably come across account buyers. These people also attend these beer festivals. Uh, when I mean by account buyers, the uh, maybe a guy that owns a, a prominent liquor store or yeah. not, not far from where you're brewing or uh, maybe the sports bar guy around the corner. Wholesalers along the way uh, will, will be there, and they're going to also notice you too because they're going to be working at these beer festivals. So if you've got a long line and things are going well, uh, you know you're, you're going to get noticed, and that's going to you're going to take that feedback. So I w- um, can I just add to, yeah. to listen to that feedback uh, as well, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because haven't we all run across brewers and home brewers who you know they just know their beer is so good and, yeah. it's, and it's so great? And I've I've actually heard brewers. I've I've stood at a at a table at a festival and watched people come up and give consistent feedback. So I'm not talking about some random person that says, "Hey, your beer's not very good." I'm talking about sure. consistent feedback. And I've heard I've heard brewers go, "They don't know what they're talking about. Like they they don't understand beer. They don't understand fermentation." <laughs> and so I love this idea of yours that you you really put yourself out there. Let's put us let's put ourselves out there to the public. Uh, but then you gotta you gotta be able to hear what people are saying. And, Absolutely, and, and maybe not uh, you know take everything what they say you know as as the gospel. Like for sure. example, oh they don't know about fermentation. Well, maybe there is some kind of you know like a saison. Oh, it's the spicy thing, and I don't like it. And you get a lot of people criticizing that. Well, you know instead of just poo pooing the remark, maybe that's not the beer style that people want to drink. Yeah. Maybe your beer's fine, but but you oh, know, I see. But I th- you're not reaching your market. You're yeah. not reaching your market. No. Yeah, I think you can kind of internalize that a little bit more and just find out what the catalyst behind the 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 you know prompting somebody to come and complain about it. Yeah, yeah. And there's always going to be outliers, so you got to take everybody's opinion into consideration. If you get one person just like, yeah, I don't like this. It's too bitter. It's like, well, maybe they only drink cream ales and stuff like that and so when they're tasting an ipa yeah. they're not going to like it no matter what and so well, that's you, what i mean you're looking like for like some con- some trends in right. feedback yeah. I, would, Which, I would assume if feedback, you're going to be right. a, a common denominators yeah. a yep. professional brewer doesn't need that feedback at all he's got a palate he knows it's good hmm. he's got a sense of self-doubt he knows he can make it better he knows he's got a, a consistent process he knows well. good recipe <laughs> i don't think have just good, being a professional brewer gives you that ability if he doesn't <laughs> you're not you're not going to be a professional you're just a brewer i see uh if you don't have the palate it fails. You, you can have the process all day. You can have great recipes. You can have a great brand. It's yeah. just that if you don't have a good palate, you have to you have to know that, and you have to rely on other people, you know, for that service. Yeah. If you don't have a good palate, you don't listen to anybody. You're not you're not long for this world. No. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the brewing world. Uh, Mark, you I can know still you, live uh, a long time. But you mentioned you're not a, a home brewer. No, I'm not. Something that we've been recommending to home brewers for years now, uh, since starting the show, was uh, we agree with not just listening to your friends. So we've uh, always advocated that people enter homebrew competitions with their beer, where it's actually judged by a panel of qualified judges, and you get uh, you know feedback from people who don't they don't see your face.
face. They don't know you. There's not even a label on the bottle. Um, and, and just even a, so even before you get to the, the festival marketplace, just get some raw feedback. Fantastic advice. I absolutely agree with that. Bottom line, folks, is you won't build a competitive brand in your kitchen or garage. So get out there, get it, get it tested uh, professionally, and get into you know get it into the consumer's mouth and find out what they how they respond. Okay. What, what about like um, you know taking your beer around to uh, to various homebrew clubs? There's a ton of homebrew clubs that are sprouting up. I think along with the kind of resurgence in craft beer, mm. uh, maybe you know dropping on your local uh, you know group of forty. Like we have a, a dough here in Walnut Creek um, and a couple other ones, I think, around. And maybe going there if you're going to open your own brewery and going, hey, guys, you guys are into the beer world. You're home brewers. What do you think about this beer? And maybe get feedback from your peers that you don't necessarily know that aren't your friends, but not at a beer fest because if, if you're not at that level... At a, right. Of a beer festival, sure. You can't. Uh, you can't really get in. You don't have a license. Room, right? You can't. If you don't have a light, yeah. So like pre-license, maybe yeah. doing something like that. I think it's a good idea because there's a group of guys that went. Uh, the Cleveland Quila guys went through does that way. Oh really? They just showed. They just came up and just you know came to the meetings and participated and brought beers and stuff like that and got feedback. If you get that objective feedback, that'd be excellent. Yeah. Okay. Great recommendation. I think politely, even going to professional brewers that you like the their beer and oh, think yeah. they make good beer. Like, don't be real forceful and don't constantly nag them but like if you go and politely ask the tasting room or if you actually see them say hey could you give me some honest feedback about this beer Mm -hmm. i i don't think most people would say no yeah so feedback is key before entering the market yeah most definitely so uh, bottom line keep perfecting your beers uh, understand that the market is hyper competitive right now. I get probably three to five calls from small brewers that are saying, hey, we need distribution in San Francisco. Can we set up a presentation? Can we get an appointment? So it, that's how competitive it is. Hmm. You really need to have that, that beer dialed in. Only outstanding quality beers will succeed in today's marketplace. Okay. So always ratchet up that quality, even by the slightest. And I'll give you a little example. Um, when I work for the British, and I'm not trying to pop off, just to, I think it's a decent example. I'm going to try to throw in some personal case histories here. Sure. And uh, I, I was invited to speak at the International Food Exhibition. It's a pretty big, uh, it's, it's one of the biggest shows in, in Europe. And I was a little intimidated, by honest, uh, to be honest with you. So I must have rehearsed and prepared that thing a hundred times for that presentation, about an hour presentation. So each time that I, I rehearsed it and, and worked on it, I ratcheted it up. I, I fine-tuned it by, say, 11%, by 8%, by 6 by three, by a half, by 0.2%. You can always continue to get, if you just keep working on it, really, really, I, I want to overemphasize that you, you really want to come with your highest quality beers when you're ready to come into the market. Okay. What time of day do these present these three to five presentations happen? <laughs> I've read that it's kind of honestly that it's tough for you guys and some of your reps to sit through these presentations at you know seven in the morning. I think it was Sully from the Twenty First Amendment talking yeah. to me about it um, that he came in with um, with El Sully to one of these presentations and everyone just thanked him for not bringing a double IPA at the seven <laughs> at the seven a.m. Yeah. presentation meeting. Yeah, we we well we do start pretty early, but uh, as far as tastings, uh, sometimes you know. Packs and things are left behind, but um, yeah, they're, they're typical you know, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock kind of presentations. But, but I have to say that that I don't often. T- I probably only accept presentation uh, ten, fifteen percent of the time. Okay, uh, you, you've got to have. You've got to have some pretty good ammo uh, in your your toolkit to really convince me to 
you know, bring in some of our top guys and okay. actually sit down uh, and, and talk to you because we do have a great uh, portfolio. And, yeah, there's, there's great beers coming out. But as I said, it's it's so competitive. So strive to make the greatest beer you've ever brewed. Yeah. Um, Good to know. Your, your passion into it. When you're trying to get your foot in the door, so, yeah. so to speak, for in, in, at a new distributor, do are all styles created equal when it comes to what you should bring for those first impressions? Or should you really hit, like, the target, like, Oh, sour sour beers are really selling. Double IP, double IPAs are really selling. So, should you bring one of those that's really good, or if it's just, hey, my best beer is a Meritzen, so I'm going to bring that. That's an, a fantastic question, and I, I want to answer it based on what I've got here in my home brewer uh, revolution, or excuse me, evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, so, brew the styles that your target audience wants. So, um, to your question, I say. Go with the local market. Go with what the local palates are drinking. For example, don't ever dictate to the market uh, like Detroit used to back in the 30s and 40s with big cars, gas guzzler V8s. Uh, IPAs in Northern California, particularly the San Francisco marketplace, are over 30% of sales. If you're going to come out and see me and present a Hef, for example, I'm, I'm probably – we're not going to waste our time together because Hef is really on, on the slide with mm. most of the brands. There's a couple of brands that are doing pretty well, but um, – Brew the styles that your target audience wants. And if you're not sure about that, you talk to your local bartenders. Uh, These are guys that uh, are great gatekeepers and can be valuable friends in the near future. Hmm. So I say, you know, do some research as far as where where you want to distribute your beers and try to brew what that local market wants. Okay. So second step. On the home brewer evolution, yeah, build a marketing plan. Not Ouch. a real easy one. No, this sounds, <laughs> this <laughs> is, this sounds painful already. Well, step three. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have that second IPA? Give me a double IPA. So, um, so build that marketing plan. But uh, anyway, so with some of the options, I've got some options. I'm trying to think how you guys and ladies might be thinking out there. Excuse me if I always use the term guys, but I mean guys and ladies. But uh, maybe you can hire a consultant. Uh, you could go to your local college and learn about marketing interns. I, I was an intern, an undergraduate and graduate, and I, I think I helped uh, these companies out. Hmm. So those are some really decent options if you don't have the big budget. And you can get get your foot into some marketing, and you can learn about it yourself. Um, there's also some of the bigger schools in the major metros. They've got – oftentimes they'll have a small business administration office or, or a group that is there that uh, you can also get an internship uh, through. And, uh, you know, you get an MBA in marketing. Marketing in their second year, they get three units, and maybe they get an A, and they can really help you out with a, a marketing plan, or at least get you on your way. Yeah. So, or if you've got some dollars, you get you, uh, you can go ahead and hire a, a full time marketing manager. So, but what is marketing? That's what I want to throw out there. What? what how would you guys define marketing? Uh, I, I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> Come on, now. brand. I graduated college already. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Tests are over. Brand reinforcement. <laughs> yeah, we tend to think yeah. that it's it's uh, brand representation and reinforcement, a way to uh, solidify what uh, you know your place in people's brain is how I think. But like when I so our hop grenade, okay, it, that logo itself is what resonates uh, and has helped us brand the rest of what we do because it really resonates with our listeners and with beer lovers. Uh, when you see it, it's uh, beer lovers relate to it instantly. I don't have to explain. I never have to explain what a hop grenade is unless you're not a beer lover of course right but those aren't our but that's not our audience they're not important important people so to me so it so it has become the representation of who we are and what we do 
Excellent response. Fantastic. So I think the majority or sort of the average response is when I ask somebody what is marketing, they say sales. That's okay. Their, their knee-jerk reaction. And that kind of ticks me off. But anyway, so, <laughs> yeah. anyways, it's not even. So so I'm just, just a little primer on marketing. So marketing identifies kind of what you said. Uh, on, it was a great response on the hop grenade. And uh, got to congratulate you guys on, on this. Uh, this is a genius model here. I love this place. Thank you. But uh, anyways, marketing identifies the wants and needs. It, it, it helps you define your target market to pursue and consists of the four Ps. And uh, it is the strategy behind the sales. So first uh, and foremost, the target market definition. In my book, I talk about a guy named Austin. And I learned this back in the ad agency days when I had to develop a profile for the uh, the creative teams to try to write ads and TV commercials for. So you want to really get a, an idea, a profile of this person or group. Who are you brewing for? Hmm. And then the second piece is the marketing mix. The marketing mix or the four Ps, you probably heard that term before. That's product which we're talking, we've talked about the beer, and we want to make it the best we can, quality and consistency. Mm-hmm. Price, which we could talk about maybe another time. Uh, promotion, which you don't really have to worry a whole heck of a lot right, uh, right now about. But distribution, or what I call the upside-down P. Now, that's one of the most <laughs> important pieces of the marketing mix, distribution for you. Anyhow, so reality check on the home brewer evolution. Right now, you're probably dabbling, excuse the term, uh, with home brews. In your local group or clan, you're something of a rock star. Some of you. Some yeah. of you are kind of, yeah, I, I bet you guys well, do. Just, if you in guys your, own, your own head, you are. You are. <laughs> yeah, you're, sure. yeah. Don't let anyone tell you different. Yeah. So you bring free beer to parties, and people dig you guys, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're the hit. Yeah. So you're also reading about an all-time high of 4,144 breweries in the United States. Two breweries are opening up every day in this country. Yeah. More than ever. You've also probably heard about how Ballast Point out of San Diego was recently sold for a mere $1 billion to Constellation Brands. My head is still spinning. Yeah. So so you guys and ladies, you're kind of thinking... I want in, right? <laughs> oh, I, I brew good beer. I'll sell for five hundred million. Yeah. So okay, right. I'm not discount. Hey, yeah. I'll say okay. Anyhow, so so how do you get from? And I used to coach football, so there's be a little little football vernacular coming. So how do you get from freshman football to the NFL? So I'm going to provide you some inside knowledge on on how this game is played. Okay. So first of all, we'll get into what's called the three-tier system. And we'll spend a lot of time on it, but it's commonly referred to as DSD or direct store delivery. And DSD, um, this, this form of distribution, sorry, I'm going to read this little portion here. This form of distribution requires a wholesaler distributor to physically receive beer or alcohol from the supplier, which is a brewer, uh, warehouse, uh, warehouse the product, and then physically take it to the final selling location, such as the retailer or bar, provided they possess a necessary license to resell the beverage, blah, 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 blah. So that's called the three-tier law, and that, that uh, kind of develops out of the 18th Amendment in U.S. Congress and all these, uh, the 21st Amendment and those kind of cool things. But uh, bottom line is there's there's 32 states that are DSD, California is one of them, and then there's 18 that are control or government 
controlled states. So we won't get into the, the government stuff. But anyhow, so I've got a little graphic here, um, uh, and it, it really just shows a brewer and going to the wholesaler, and then it branches off. The wholesaler either goes to the off-premise or the on-premise, or in, in, for our European listeners, the on-trade or the off-trade. Okay. So off-premise is where you buy your beer. You buy it from the drugstore, the supermarket, the, the liquor store, neighborhood store, uh, those kind of places. And then the on-premise, that's where you consume the beer. Mm. So that's why they call it on-premise. And just and, to confuse you, the hop grenade is both. Yeah, because you can buy great beers and in, and take it home. Yeah, you can buy what twenty two ounce bombers, and you can buy um, the growlers, right? We can't do growlers. Oh, that's too bad. Unfortunately, I'm we can't going do that. home. But you can do uh, <laughs> yeah. bottle sales and take it out too. So, but yes. awesome. So yeah, you've got a big, uh, big bunch of coolers with. So that's an interesting license. So this is a really unique place. You got to check it out. So off premise, you can you can take some. You can have a couple on the on premise here at Hop Grenades. A great selection, and then you can take uh, take home, take some home for the fridge. Yes. Anyhow, so that's uh, that's how the three tier system kind of works in uh, really quick. So third step in the home brewer evolution: How do you progress from high school football to college? So once your liquid is the very best it can be, and its package and branding are ready for the market, to be honest with you, your next step is going to more than likely be self distribution. All right, That's Mark, I'm going to stop you right there just because this is the perfect time to take a break and Let's come back about figuring out how to get your beer uh, to the market through distribution. So hang in there. We're going to take a quick break. What's the website, Mark? Uh, the website is craftbeermarketingdistribution.com. All right, go check it out. Have a look at the book. We're going to keep talking about it as Mark helps us through this. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on The Brewing Network. Tampa Bay has become a great destination for craft beer lovers with more than 60 breweries and counting, like Cigar City, Tampa Bay, and Copper Tail Brewing. One of the newest breweries is Four Stacks Brewing Company in Apollo Beach. Four Stacks believes that the West Coast can't have all the fun. So while we feature West Coast beer like Stone, Ballast Point, and Green Flash on tap, we also brew hopped-up ales to our liking in the West Coast style, even as they're truly Florida. Come in and see for yourself. Four Stacks hosts monthly homebrew club meetings, bottle shares, and partners with local restaurants for free food delivery while you enjoy your pint in their new tap room. Stop by Four Stacks Brewing and support the greater Tampa Bay craft beer scene at a brand new community-oriented independent brewery four stacks brewing bringing the best of the west coast style and attitude four stacks brewing company in apollo beach florida for anyone brewing or thinking about brewing electrically, stop until you see the Blickman Boil Coil. Not a bunch of repurposed water heater parts. The Boil Coil is purpose-built from the ground up for homebrewers. The Boil Coil brings fast, efficient heating due to its ultra-low density element to your kettle. It's everything you've dreamed of in electric boiling. Easy to install, easy to move, easy to clean. And its ultra-low watt density is the lowest on the planet. So the Blickman Boil Coil has no chance of scorching your wort when used as directed. None. And while the boil coil was engineered to fit perfectly in a Blickman Boiler Maker brew kettle, it's compatible with almost any brew kettle and even converted kegs. Pair a boil coil with the new Tower of Power controller for the ultimate in electric temperature control from Blickman. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com to see real data, drawings, and dimensions of the boil coil, the professional quality electric solution for homebrewers. The boil coil, hot. 
fast. Easy. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit. NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today you're tuned into the session because life's too short to listen to crappy radio all right, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Don't forget to go get your free 21-day trial of the Beersmith Brewing software. You can go to Beersmith.com right now and download the software. It's good on PC and it's good on Mac, and it's the best brewing software you're going to find out there. But you don't have to take my word for it because it gives you a free 21-day trial. Go check it out. We all use it here when we brew, except JP because now he's just on the Pico Brew I have to uh, use the Pico system. because I'm not good at, at math, although what I want to find out is uh, open up uh, Beersmith again. And see, that's what you said, right? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Beer yeah, you're, you're doing great. <laughs> all right, great. Yep. Um, and uh, and see if I can, you know, correlate those two because I because really, I have all my other recipes in beer. Smith. And if yeah. I can just carry everything over. I think we read. You'll be good. Yeah. Well, go check it out right now. Go to beersmith.com. He's got podcasts. He's got DVD with John Palmer. And uh, and he's got the great brewing software, which you should have. We're here with Mark Colburn, uh, author of Craft Beer Marketing, Brace for Skewmageddon. And he's teaching us about how to bring our beer to market. And I think when we left off, we were just about to get into uh, self-distribution as probably the most likely course of action for most of us small brewers. Yes, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, that's the reality. Uh, a lot of the brands that we sell over uh, the company I work at, they they started out uh, just that way. The, the sort of the beginning is self. You, you get a good beer ready to go, and self distribution is is what you have to do. Hmm. Um, you might be able to find a, a tiny distributor to take on your brand, but uh, most likely you'll be loading up a van or the 
the the VW bus or you know, <laughs> I station wagon. You're talking yeah. to me, Mark. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and you're going to be delivering the product to those uh, to, to some select accounts. Is so, that more because of usually limited production volume for a brewery starting up, or are distributors looking more for a more established brand with recognition that makes it easier for them to distribute the beer? Uh, Warren, uh, that is uh, the latter is exactly what the distributors are looking for. They want to take the least um, risk option possible. Okay. So not a lot of distributors want to grow brands. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a lot of work, as uh, I'm sure that um, Tasty would uh, attest to. Uh, it's you know a lot of money, a lot of time. Sure. Uh, it's it, not a lot of distributors even do that anymore. But way back mm-hmm. when, you know, Golden Brands days when I worked there, that's we were willing to do that. But uh, it, it does take a lot of effort, and you're not guaranteed success. Sure. So. You might be able to, as I said, you might be able to find a little guy uh, to, you know, help you out. But more than likely, you're going to be doing that. So, well, yeah, um, you need that extra forty dollars that you'll be paying the distributor to distribute that keg of beer. You need that into your into your bottom line. It is not big enough to absorb, you know, because when you go for the distributor, you go. That's a volume move. That means you're going to produce a lot of beer. You're willing to give up a lot some of the margin to make it up in volume through the distributor's, hmm. you know, network. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, remember those uh, bartenders we talked about? Um, and this is going off a little topic here, but uh, what is today? Today's what? Monday. It's Monday. Monday, uh, yeah. December. December the 7th. When will so, now be now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now. So um, I, I just bring this point up as a marketing guy, and, and, and how many people still send Christmas cards these days? Let me see a show of hands. Just, uh, you, you, guys, guys, you got, got one behind okay, you got and one. one in front of you. So. Yeah. We're, okay, we're well, going to start this. We got, my okay. wife, yeah, we my got wife two, two and a half. <laughs> so, but anyhow. Just, just to make me feel bad, people send those things. <laughs> Because yeah. you're never going to reciprocate. Yeah. 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 And then what I do with them when I get them, it'll be, it makes me feel even worse. You feel bad when they go right into the garbage. <laughs> no. Oh, thanks, Warren. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> man, so nice. Oh, the glitter. Oh, that made it. Yeah. Next year, Tishy, I'll, I'll send you one that'll say, not thinking about you this holiday season. <laughs> but right. the bottom line is you like to receive them, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So here's a cheap way to get in front of those key gatekeepers that most people have forgotten. Uh, for the entrepreneurs, you small brewers, you're, you're out there, you're, you're lumping those kegs. Don't forget those bartenders because they're down the road. They're going to be buyers. And a, a little mm-hmm. side story. Um, hmm. I, I'm a believer in Christmas cards because I, I guess I'm a sort of a zig versus zag guy. Uh, if everybody's zagging, I'm going to zig. So uh, I remember sending out Christmas cards is probably maybe 10 years ago. And I sent one to this one buyer and – I, it was he was a real bear to get in to see. He wouldn't let you. He wouldn't really see anybody. It seemed like, and I finally got in to see him, and it must have been. It might even have been freaking June. And the guy says, "You sent me a Christmas card, didn't you?" Uh, and nice. I said, "Yeah." And he said, "That was a nice card." <laughs> and I mean, what does it, what's postage in a card? So, and I got to tell you, the rest of that meeting went really, really well. We got nice. some authorization. So it's just a little a side thing to think about on December the seventh. Okay. So um, <laughs> spread, spread some cheer, but but those. But the key point, though, is those those gatekeepers, those uh, bartenders and those kind of people. You want to always be thinking about them because they can really dictate the success of your brand. Sure. Am I right, how, guys? How well right. it pours when you, when you deliver it, for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, all kinds of factors. Our bartenders so, here have a lot of say in what ends up on our menu. If they make a recommendation, say, I have this beer, I tried this beer, whether it be here or somewhere else, they have a lot of say in what we pour at their operating So, so it's their fault. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh. So they're essentially buyers. So you definitely want to meet yeah. those people and get to know them. So uh, be sure that these accounts 
accounts also as you're as you're as you're self distributing i want to also caution you and, and remind you of this fact be sure that these accounts convey your brand's positioning back to a little bit of the marketing side don't sell a high-end high-priced belgian sour to your local dollar store and i, and I realize they don't have licenses but you understand the example yeah. you don't want a high-end beer and something that's not going to project your brand correctly so your distribution channel must reflect your brand positioning and image. Always remember that. Hmm. It's a good point. Don't just take anything. Right. I mean, it's, it's tempting. But, uh, okay, so back to the, the home brewer uh, evolution we, we spoke about in segment one. So distribution. Um, I've gone ahead and I made sort of a, a bullseye here, um, and a, a big dartboard. And in the very middle, I apologize for you, you listeners, but you can kind of picture it. I'll, I'll, in the you middle know, I'll is, put this on the website if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, uh, please at, do. Well, when I post out. the show, uh, I'm going to put this up there so okay. you can play along at home. Fantastic. So so in the, in the inner tier is the top-tier distributor, and the second sort of uh, circle is second tier distributors and then third tier and then self-distribution which we've been talking about and sort of on the outside is the home brewer looking in so one of the keys to success for the home brewer is is building this this distribution network and quite frankly it's it's not that easy So as you build your distribution network, as I said earlier, make sure that the brand is going into the appropriate off and on-premise accounts those that match your brand position and that's referring back to your marketing plan, is what I call selective distribution. You'll begin selling into accounts and delivering to them on a regular basis. So be sure not to short them on product, which I've seen small brewers do, Mm -hmm. and that the quality, back to that quality, man, is consistent. Participate in as many beer festivals as you can. Your goal is brand trial, trial, trial. That is your form of promotion right now. As the brand gains some sales traction, you'll receive, uh, you will uh, stockpile this information as well as positive consumer reactions from these beer festivals. These can be caught on GoPro or videotaped and edited for future sales presentations to account buyers, wholesalers, and distributors. It's a great idea. So this is uh, this is a way. This will differentiate you from the nine other or ten other brands that also want distribution. It's really easy to do. There are some of these uh, breweries, really small breweries, some of our local ones at the Great American Beer Festival this year that won awards. And then you go out onto the floor of that festival and you see this line of people wrapping around the building waiting for their one ounce of the rare barrel, for example. What a great thing to capture on video to put in one of your future presentations because how do you really convey – that amount of excitement for your beer without without showing it and uh, there's a lot of missed opportunities there i think absolutely justin and, and it's so easy and it's affordable i mean it's absolutely affordable you can get a gopro for what three hundred dollars or yeah. something and they're super easy to edit um and, and and nobody goes to this this minor extent I, I see these presentations all the time they're powerpoint like the one i'm looking at right now boring as heck but uh <laughs> but i mean you, you flavor it with with some some consumer input and and that's going to really change the presentation a buyer you you, you want to empathize with that buyer we're going to get into the chain thing that we, we hinted at uh, earlier we're going to talk about supermarket chains and stuff hmm. and and you might be the the ninth presentation of the day and this buyer started at six in the morning yeah and, and you're in at three o'clock and, and the guy or lady <laughs> had lunch and you're just giving them some numbers and, and you know i i you know a bunch of adjectives i really make great beer i mean i've got me and my dog sparky and my my <laughs> girlfriend and, and and you know you and, have and, heard yeah, it all yeah yeah <laughs> so, right so i'm not I, I i'm not making fun but I i'm just but my bicycle, yeah. uh, uh, all yeah. of the stories. But but my neighbors' got, kids love it. 
<laughs> right. But but if you got some tape, something to, to spice up that presentation, that's yeah. that's my marketing recommendation to you. It doesn't take a lot. And you've got some really cool responses about your beers. The buyer's going to take notice. I mean, you're going to immediately, I mean, freaking immediately differentiate yourself from the last eight guys that were in there great and, idea, and everybody's man. knocking on those doors man so you got to think you got to zig what everybody else is zagging by the way so, as a media guy uh, your your phone if you've bought it in the last year or two has just as good of an hd camera as a gopro right. so if you find yourself at a beer festival and you didn't take mark's advice and you forgot to go buy a gopro get your phone out and take a short video of that line of people at your place or that person really enjoying your beer and telling you about it just get out your phone that's hd video it's a piece of cake do you think powerpoint sound effects are a good way to differentiate yourself <laughs> in uh, the presentation to distributors yeah. i uh I, you don't know me very well i'm kind of a, a wackadoodle so yeah i would agree with that but, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think you want to temper it around your brand you're always oh, thinking okay. about your company and your brand and, and where it's gonna where you're going with it i prefer so. the star wars wipes the lateral wipes mm-hmm. and the zoom oh, yeah. in effects and the yeah that, those are yeah th- i think those are those are pretty old uh, you, you probably <laughs> Yeah. You want to upgrade as much as you can. Yeah, okay. But, okay, so as you graduate to the appointment of a distributor, you'll want to know where they go, the frequency, how many trucks they have, if they have a sales force. Not a lot of small, you know, third-tier distributors do. So your first distributor is going to be more than likely, once you go from self-distribution, you kind of go up the, the, the ladder. here. You're going towards that that bullseye. And you're going to get into that third tier, hopefully, and, and it may likely be kind of a small one- to three- or four-guy team with a truck or two and a, you know, maybe three trucks. Uh, this will not be your optimum scenario, but it will help solidify the brand footprint while building sales momentum during the introduction phase of the product life cycle. So it's okay to start with these smaller distributors if you believe that they're going to put your beer on the shelf, and even if it's only a few trucks and a few guys. That's what you're saying. Yes. I, I, it's really – I believe that it's the reality of okay. what's happening in the United States. Okay. So this is this is going to be your path, I mean, unless you know somebody. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Got it, yeah. yeah if, anyhow, so – So yeah, you, you don't want a bunch of emails from all the people opening up new breweries. <laughs> not today, saying. yeah. Um, well, so if they have video, sure, go ahead. <laughs> what? If they have video, if there's a video, yeah, send yeah. some cool video. I was all watching, watching the cool video. So, but anyway, so um, kind of on that point, gentlemen, is, is I suggest not signing a formal agreement, Justin, uh, with a third tier distributor. Keep that open. And I, I, I know a lot of the smaller brewers um, that that don't have a contract with the third tier because they want they want that flexibility for now, a future appointment. Now, I've been told that because the marketplace is so competitive, I, I've heard two different stories. So one of them is that these distributors require you to sign a contract. They they just they want you locked in or we're not going to deal with you. And it's, it's almost a threat. Like, hey, we got, we got five more brewers waiting in line today. The other thing I've heard is that distributors should pay you for that contract. If they want to to really own a piece of of uh, or actually to own your distribution that that has a market value to them. I've heard these two different sides where like on one the brewer has no control and on the other the distributor owes the brewer something. Interesting. Um, hmm. I, I there's precedent. It depends on the size of your footprint of your distribution. But yeah, yeah I've I know breweries. You've heard the mm-hmm. same that finance their brewery expansion by selling the distribution rights to what they've already done themselves. 
Which they, I assume is legal, by the way. Oh, yeah. I'm, yes. not say, I'm not talking about illegal practice here. I'm well, just talking you can about, take that offer to yeah. DBI. You can take yeah. that offer to Bay Area Beverage. Yeah. Sure. If they can compete against it, whatever. If nobody's going to pay, yeah. it's not worth anything, right? Sure. But if you, you know, you, you have to have like three or four trucks. You have to be pretty well into distribution. They're going to care. You're a pretty that, big company. At that this you've point. got 20 accounts. Okay. In, in Tahoe or something. So like that's that. why I'm asking. Okay. Yeah, it's. it's um, I, I still have to. I, I just say keep it flexible and. Okay. Um, and try not to sign a contract if you if you don't have to. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I think uh, Justin, the, the small, the the three guys and yeah. a couple of trucks. I'm not so sure that they're they're going to do a contract with yeah. you. They'd okay. be glad and, to do it. Otherwise. Sorry. Okay. They 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 wouldn't require a contract. I no, yeah. I, I I've not seen. I mean, I know a few of those those companies. And they don't have contracts. Okay. But uh, so as the brand starts to succeed, you'll get noticed by these second tier distributors. So they've uh, they've got more kind of a small fleet of trucks, and you know you're kind of looking. Oh, you know these guys go into a few accounts, and that's going to be a nice graduation for you. Um, but this might include a large wholesaler, maybe whose focus is wine or spirits. And they're eyeing your brand as, ah, you know, that's got some pretty good profit, that little craft. We might be able to put that into uh, our portfolio. So, But I want you to consider these second-tier distributors, but also be careful about long-term agreements with them also. So uh, be sure to inquire about the second-tier sales assistants and, and have them detail how their sales teams will present your brand to accounts. And sort of back to that one example of the, the wine, the big wine and spirits kind of wholesaler, you want to make certain that uh, you're not necessarily in you know sort of page 467 of their, their price uh, yeah. catalog. Yeah. But these things are bicep builders if you've seen them before. And I got to tell you, I mean, you may make some incredible beer, but if you've got, if, if they've got a, their, their sales team is going in maybe hitting 10 to 15 to 20 accounts a day, they're not going to spend any time selling a, a small, awesome craft mm-hmm. you know, that's just kind of getting into that second tier. So you really want to ask some really pertinent questions. We're going to get into some of those questions here in just a sec. I like this advice, too. I've seen it firsthand with distributors coming in here with their binder. And uh, the binder looks like shit, and the logos in the binder look like shit, and it's a price list, and they can barely describe to you the beer. And we're like a we're a beer nerd bar, and some of these guys come in here and don't know about craft beer and try to you know they have a couple craft beers in their portfolio. I'm not saying they don't, but they don't know anything about it. Uh, we're just another tick on their list, right? Of their 15 or 20 a day, right? So I do really like this uh, piece of advice where you. You want to inquire, how is your team going to push my beer? How are they going to present it? How are they going to sell it? Do they know anything about it? Do you need me to come in and teach them about it? Like, I just really like this advice. Don't just leave it in the hands of, of whatever. Absolutely. And, and are they Cicerone certified? For example, DBI requires all management team and a lot of the sales guys to be Cicerone certified. So they do, they can talk some craft beer, not at the level of you gentlemen and most of your listeners, but but we can at least present and, and we know what we're talking about somewhat. I like it. So uh, find out where your brand ranks within their portfolio, back to that 467 pages. Uh, that'll dictate how much effort it, it really will receive. So and as your brand gains sales success... You will be in a position to discuss geographic distribution with a first-tier distributor. So, evolution recap. Hmm. Self-distribution. You got to lump the kegs, get in the BW bus, <laughs> brew some more, gain some trial. Yeah. Okay? Then you go to the little guys. Third-tier, 
get some help from them, go to some beer fests, some farmer's markets. We haven't talked about those. Yeah. Okay. Now, I kind of see farmer's markets as an untapped, no pun intended. Well, actually, I guess it was intended. But farmer's markets are somewhere that maybe not as much in California, but in some of the other markets, maybe European. That's a place where beers are starting to pop up. I think the law just changed here in California. Now it can. You can can serve a sample at farmer's markets. Gas down. Gas down on farmer's markets. Yeah. One brewery per market. Oh, is that uh, what it is? Yeah. No, okay. still get in line and, and well, you take know, your turn. Yeah. be aggressive. Yeah. Do you want it or not? Yeah. You know, take yeah. the gloves off. So let's get going. So uh, collect positive. So what you want to do is you want to collect positive sales ammo, where, whatever you're doing, your beer fest, your farmer's markets, um, anything you can get. So then you back to that evolution, your, your secondary relationship, build that distribution and sales momentum. And then JP. Yes, sir. You shoot for the big. You got to. <laughs> That's what I call it, the bigs. The first-tier distributor. All right. That's so at what you, point do you hire your own represent your, of the brewery rep? What, what, how does that guy fit into things? Excellent question. Uh, Tasty, I, I would go ahead and uh, as soon as you can afford a really qualified feed on the street, you want that person. If that person's a little more senior, probably maybe better for you. Maybe mm-hmm. they've got a little marketing background. background. Mm-hmm. They can be a hybrid guy or gal for you. But, yeah, you, you're not going to be able to do it your, all yourself. I mean, you, you, you're going to be responsible for that quality, that the, the, the brewing, and you know all that operations side. That is, as you guys know, it really sucks up the time sure. and uh you're, you're gonna need a good sales middle linebacker out there okay. so you get that person tasty maybe in the second tier as you start mm-hmm. um you hopefully start making Certainly some first decent- the first probably would require that you, pr- you provide somebody i would assume yeah when you get into the bigs i mean they're going to ask that's going to be the first question is well maybe not the first question maybe the second question is it's going to be hey how many feet on the street have how you? many yeah, yes right, not just one. so and that's that's something you absolutely want and that's uh, sort of what everybody's after right now and uh it's uh, they're, they're tough to find but uh, i would say definitely as is in the overall evolution of second tier is when you want to start really looking for a good salesperson mm-hmm. i think that's a big misconception for especially home brewers getting in and opening up their breweries that oh once i sign it Distributor, yeah, their salespeople will sell my beer, so I just have to stay here making it and I make don't have sure to my do anything. Right, right. They're the sales staff, but that's definitely not the case, especially Ex- long term. Exceptional point, and I learned that as I came into the distribution business, I was a little surprised, but but yeah, they the distributors also rely on the brewery uh, to come out with some sales reps to do ride withs, and we'll get into that shortly um, to help train or ambassadorize the wholesaler salespeople and to get out there and, and make some key account calls too so mm-hmm. and that's only going to help you continue the beer fest and you know doing all that as well yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. uh your, your your salesperson that's going to be mm-hmm. your person as as the the head brewer that that person's probably going to burn out they're not going to be able to do no. all the weekends anyways right so you get that person with some personality and some sales uh, some sales ability and they're out there at the beer festival is rocking and rolling all right, let's do this. As we get into this, uh, I believe the final step, the fourth step of how we get into the bigs here and uh, find yourself a top tier distributor, which which DBI obviously is an example of a top tier uh, uh, first. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about how to get yourself in there and really make it happen. Sell some beer. Make your dreams come true. Yes. <laughs> That's what it is, right? Yeah. Selling beers. Yeah. Dreams coming true. That's exactly what it is. All right. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back with Mark Colburn. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network.
With over 20 years of experience making world-class craft beer and more than 100 gold medals in international competitions, Moylan's Brewing Company is not just a pretty face in craft beer. Just ask Brendan Moylan. What do we got here? The beer of the hour. Moylan's, gotta love that big M. It's like a sign of awesomeness. It's got an extra kick to it. Let's pour this bad boy. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Moylan's. The end of the night when the kids are finally in bed, the wife's in bed, <laughs> nobody's bothering your ass anymore. That's Moylan's time. Moylan's is for you. Yeah! It's to help you out. Yeah. It helps me out. What? Well, because it's freaking awesome. Northern California brewed. It's brewed with love. With love? Oh, yeah. Tremendous. And it's always best where? Moylan's. you got to try it on tap at Moylan's in Novato. They're freaking awesome. Not only because I own the brewery, because I love the beer. Cheers. Boom. Kilt Lifter Scotch Ale takes big beers to a whole new level with rich malt balanced perfectly with delicate hops and now comes in four-packed tall boy cans so you can take the party on the go. Or come to the brewery, take a tour, and try any of Moylan's fresh creations right from the source. Check them out at Moylan's.com. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. heard about White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast. Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Lab's yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, FlexCell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of Pure Pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones 
Brands are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We're still talking to Mark Colburn, the author of uh, Craft Beer Marketing. Brace for Skewmageddon. This is good information uh, that we're giving you here, but I recommend that you check out the book as well because it's a lot more in-depth. And as you can tell, Mark spent a lot of time on this stuff, and so he's, he's handing over that info to you just by checking out the book. Uh, I believe you can go to Craft beermarketing.com? Yes. Is that it? Yeah. Crappiermarketing.com. Check it out right there. Uh, I think it's also available on Amazon. It is. I saw it there. You can click the Amazon link on our homepage and go there, search for it there, Craft Beer Marketing, and you'll find it. And Plus, uh, it's a Kindle version. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. And also, it's it's super readable. Uh, as you guys know, I'm an idiot, and I read through uh, Mark's book. And, was like, <laughs> and it made me revisit this opening a brewery thing. Uh, you know, I had written it off because it just sounds like a big pain in the ass. And, but then I read uh, through Mark's book, and I'm going, hmm, shit, maybe I can do this. You got most uh, of the work done. <laughs> yeah, the branding is done. It sounds like a dangerous book. <laughs> it is a dangerous book. Uh, all right, well, so, so check it out. Well, we're not done yet, though. Uh, we're about to get into Mark's fourth step here tonight, which is um, uh, really getting into the big leagues, which are, I believe you mentioned in the beginning, getting into the chains, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I use that term, uh, some slang, the bigs, but the supermarket channel, that's where you really rock and roll with, with your volume and uh, your distribution throughout uh, the big chains, like the Safeways, the Kroger's, the Publix, Vons, those kind of guys. So okay. that fourth step, and, and hopefully you, as you get into that, uh, that's where you're looking at your top tier, your inner circle, number one type distributor within the major metros. So to succeed in the chains will require a relationship with these top tier distributors, the, the big guys. Smaller wholesalers, well, they just don't have the capability to hit the sheer number of supermarkets in a given geography that is required by the chains. I mean, these chains, they, they want these big distributors to go in there three, four, five times a week. Wow. To, yeah. So the, the third tier, no way. The second tier, most likely, no way. So uh, when you get into the, that inner tier, those are the companies that are set up with um, 100 trucks and hmm. huge sales teams and big operations teams to go ahead and be able to handle these deliveries on a six-day-a-week basis. Okay. So some of the things uh, as far as uh, trying to get into the chains, uh, it's, it is quite a challenge. Uh, be prepared for the meeting uh, with top distributors in your chosen market. Uh, some questions that you might ask include. Hmm. Now, these are questions for your distributor, the top tier distributor, as you go from number two to number one in your, your marketplace. So what territory does the distributorship cover? Kind of, you know, these are com common sense, but I think it's still helpful for the, the home brewer as you're thinking about going to that next step. These are some things to kind of think about. How many days a week does the company deliver? How are the sales teams compensated? Is the sales department set up via channel selling? We talked about that earlier, you know, drug versus chain versus mom and pop up and down the street or the term is used, indies, uh, independent uh, neighborhood stores. Uh, if not, how so? Will you pick up at your brewery? 
Mm. How does your team control freshness and quality codes? Very important question to ask your potential top-tier distributor. How many on-premise and off-premise accounts does your company deliver to? Mm. Let's say that uh, – what's the company in Alameda? Faction. Yep. They, they, they're draft only, right? So they're not going to be that concerned about the off-premise. So this is a real key question. Maybe you're, you're a lot of companies start on the on-premise, and I, I, even, I recommend that you do. And so you want that number to be high. If it's a really small number, then it, this may not be the distributor for you. Good point. Do you deliver to the chains? Well, that's that's a key one. If you've got your six packs or four packs or whatever package, your bombers, you want to make certain that they do hit these chains. Are there any chains that you do not deliver to? Mm-hmm. What is your expected margin on selling draft versus case beer? You know, Tasty talked about, you know, hinted at some of the margins and things. These are really important to know. Typically 25, 30% would be the response. Does your team merchandise the shelves? Hopefully they do because the supermarket chains, they'll, they'll do a little bit of that, but they really rely on that top-tier distributor to have merchandising chains come in six days a week hmm. to get that beer out of the back and put it up into the cooler. Oh, I see. Do you co-op sales plan incentives? Sorry, these questions are kind of random, but it's a key question. Does, does the distributor that you're talking to, do you co-op? Sales plan incentives. Some do, some don't. Explain some, that to me. Well, let's say that you want to write a sales plan incentive uh, for um, the on-premise. You've got a great draft beer, and you're going to say, hey, uh, we're willing to pay $100 for the next two months for a brand-new handle in this geography. Okay. And the distributor might say, okay, well, that's fine, and we'll match that. So we'll, we'll pay $50 on $50. To so, your reps. Yes. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. So uh, $100 in the San Francisco market. So it's kind of going away right now, and that raises some eyebrows with some of the smaller brewers. But, but you know, it's San Francisco. It's not southern Bakersfield. So, but uh, as far as that, that, that's an important question to find out. Do you, does, that, does the distributor co-op sales plan incentives? Hmm. And do you participate in weekend special events? If so, what are the criteria for brand selection? Because as we said earlier, uh, JP, you want to be in those special events. You want to be yeah. in those bear festivals, right? I, lo- I love special events. Like you like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love you want you want somebody like this guy here to, to be pre- you're representing asking the your wrong brand. guy. Mark, so. uh, JP never leaves his house. So you're the wrong way. Well, well his brand can go. You can, can have go. internal special events. Yeah, that's true. Aaron and I have every other Thursday. <laughs> Very special yeah. events. Yeah, where she Video brings beer home to you. Well, yeah, and then and then we do things. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, but but anyway, so, oh. so you want to find out as a smaller as one of the smaller uh, brands, you know, coming into this potentially large house. Hey, well, how can I get into these special events? Because the reason I say that, gentlemen, is because a lot of these big special events they're grandfathered out. I mean, if you're a if you're a medium size or large a large brewer, you're not going to let anybody in on these special events. Yeah. You mm-hmm. want them in the major metros. You are going to dominate those. You're going to you're going to do three and five year contracts for for as long as you can do these contracts for so you want to find out what your options are as you get into this inner tier okay and then also for those i know sometimes distributors say sure we can get you in but that also means you have to essentially donate the beer like they kind of pass that cost back onto the brewery kind of i've heard that happen excellent point warren and yeah i i've seen that happen and um 
you know, if you've got a good distributor, a guy, sort of a, a broker like me in the middle, I'm going to try to negotiate you know, the best for your brand. And as a small company, yeah, you don't have necessarily have the big dollars to say, sure, I can go ahead and sponsor the the the, the pumpkin festival in Half Moon Bay, but that's yeah. going to cost you ten thousand or more dollars. Right. So that that's kind of a big hit, you know, to the budget. So um, yeah, if 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 a donation makes sense, then then I would go ahead and, sure. and recommend that as a marketing guy. But yeah, just yeah. across the board, if it's uh, if you want in, you got to give us all free product. Well, baloney. You know, well, let's right. let's find out what these opportunities are, mm-hmm. and maybe they're not huge donations. For example, the uh, Sam, what is it? It's the Millbrae Art and Wine Festival out here in the in the Bay Area. An awesome freaking event, two day event, fantastic. It's right there at Labor Day, I think. Uh, JP, September one, two, something like that. <laughs> I love yeah. that date. Labor Day is so <laughs> Labor Day. For me. I mean, people yeah. people are you know it's the end of the summer. People are just I mean it is a, a really fun event. But so anyhow, so I've I, I as I said earlier, I do four. 40 special events a year, mm-hmm. and these things are locked up. But within special events, now, if you do your homework, I mean, this is back to, you know, just working hard and finding out and, and, and just asking questions. Within the Millbrae Art and Wine Festival is a miniature craft fair that's tied to a muscle car show, hmm. which, which <laughs> now I'm a muscle car guy, so I got to say, I mean, I really dig this because cool. I bring a couple cars out to it. But but the thing is, is, is the small, small brands that can't afford those 10 and $20,000 hits, they can get into hmm. this particular event, the Millbrae Art and Wine. And I'm sure they're across the country. There's things like this, cool there's barbecue so events. Them, yeah, yeah, there's tons of them. So you just have to dig and you want to have a distributor that wants to work with you to help you grow because this is going to get you that trial. So you get into this craft piece. You talk to a guy like Mark Colburn at your distributor say, hey, Mark, we don't have the 10, 15, 20 grand to get in and sponsor this whole son of a gun, but we'd like to get into this. Do you have anything smaller? Yeah. You know, we heard about this Millbrae. Could you get us in well heck yeah um okay warren i can get you in if you donate six cases and and you donate that's not a big hit no six cases of beer and and i'll go ahead and brief the beer tenders and they're going to pitch your brand and you're going to get you're going to get some great trial out of this i mean if you look at my book um sorry to be tacky about bringing my book back but anyhow, no, so if, you, <laughs> if you look good. at the book i've got a picture in there in fact it's on my website where i was i was helping the small guys and i'm sitting there with my my two shelbies and i'm sitting there and i've got 21a as my, as my sort of my little backer mm-hmm. and i got them in this thing and they came up on tv i got it on tv it was an interview with my 21a shirt and my yeah. 21a hat there on you go. and i talked about 21st amendment beer and nice. how great it is blah 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 they you know what they paid for that <laughs> six cases of beer right so what is that 18 12 dollars or whatever so i mean talk deal. about it yeah it's a fantastic deal so so yeah uh, warren uh, beardy i i hear you but but <laughs> but if it makes sense maybe a donation is going to work out but yeah don't carte blanche just say yeah sure we'll donate whatever because then you're going to be taken advantage of in my opinion right and i like that you're not saying to stop donating too because i think that there was a there was a little moment in craft beer around here and festivals where people were stopping donating beer for them too because there is a festival every other weekend and uh, it was getting a little scary for us as event organizers and and other things where we we work with these nonprofits to raise money and i just thought man it's going to be tough i think on craft beer in the long run and certainly tough on event organizers if the trend of donating beer uh, in exchange, essentially for a marketing position, goes away entirely. So I'm glad to hear you say that it's, there's still a place for this. Yeah, there absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. I think it's just good to clarify that way breweries who are signing up or talking with a distributor know kind of what the typical kind of exchange is for 
access to these events, not just saying, oh, you'll let me into these events without discussing what's it going to cost right. the brewery. Yeah. Right. You want to get into those details, Warren. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So a few more questions uh, as, you're, as you're contemplating the bigs. Yeah. Uh, question 14. Does the company have a large cooler for kegs and or cases for cold storage? <laughs> Not a lot of distributors do. Yeah. Okay. What's the average temperature of that cooler? Now, we have a lot of contracts with medium-sized craft brewers that say, hey, you can only take our beer if it's refrigerated. And I think that's great because yeah. we, we want fresh, great beer. Uh, next question. How frequently are empty kegs returned to the brewery? Um, that's that's pretty important. If you're small, you need those <laughs> empties back, right? Yeah. So if they come back monthly, you're probably going to be you're going to be in a tough spot. And you're going to short accounts. You short accounts, you're going to be out of the market. Yeah. Right. Excellent point. Yeah. Okay. So are you investing all your money in kegs? <laughs> yeah. A lot of money. Buying a new lot kegs. of money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it is expensive. And you know, on the side, a little side topic, guys. I've seen some companies going with the pet uh, polyethylene terephthalate kegs, and and I gotta say that this, I, I wouldn't recommend it. No. I just I wouldn't. No. It's they're they're not selling. And, uh, you know, they're one-way kegs, as we kind of call them. And I, I just – I don't recommend it. I, I think we still need to stay right now in, in the aluminum. So the, you don't mean – so Drake's uses the plastic keg, but that's not a one-way keg. That's a reusable keg, right? Correct. I have not seen that's not Drake's what, plastic I keg. Think they that's not what those. he's calling a pet keg. They, oh, they eliminated yeah, them too. Right, yeah. Because I know the the one way kegs you're talking about, and we yeah. get some of those from different breweries. Are they they're, the pub kegs? They're kind of a pain in our ass. That's too. another brand. Uh, that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, but for you know what keg I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, the, the great red ones. Yeah, I think they which got rid I of thought those. maybe was a decent idea, and you're saying not. I think they got rid of those. They got too. rid of them too. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. they, all right. They, they just don't seem to be working. I mean, stick with the aluminum. Yeah, I mean, for the you know, as far as recyclability and stuff, it. it intellectually, it makes sense, but I don't know quality wise and, and buyers, they're just not. They're not getting in on those okay. so i would okay. recommend against those so uh, another question why, what are the loading dock days and hours you know sample pickup policy uh, does the company conduct quarterly or trimester business reviews uh, that sounds like a kind of stuffy question but uh, justin the reason i say that is hey as a small company you want to be in this big distributor's face not all the time but i i, I, I give you a little story here is um I know of another distributor and a vice president. He says, "Oh, well, when I see you know Bill, it must be December." <laughs> so, and that's what they, they see this company now once once a year, mm-hmm. and that's just ridiculous. So, if you're small, I mean, if you're getting into as, as you're approaching the bigs, this is a great question. This this means the senior management is thinking, "Wow, this company really means business, and uh, you know they want to stay in front of our face." It's the old fashioned the, the squeaky wheel. So, I would recommend that you get out there three at least two times a year to meet with your major distributors to go over do a formal business review. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next question. Should we decide to mutually end the relationship? What is the method for buyout? Uh, notification requirements. Do you have a standardized contract review? Now, I, I, I don't know about being charged or somebody you know, paying for a contract, but, but this, would be the, this would be the time where I would lock in with a big dog because you want – if they're covering your – if they're taking care of your needs as far as your chain and those kind of things, this is where you want to say – hey, this is where you want to get into bed and say, hey, let's rock and roll. This is, this is a good thing. Okay. Okay, next one. Uh, does your company co-op chain ad investments? Well, when you get into the chains, the buyer's going to say, well, we, you know, we'd like to put you on ad. We all get ads in the newspapers, and you see what's going on as you go through the supermarkets. You pick them up as you, as you go, and you throw them into your, uh, your cart and stuff. But mm-hmm. anyhow, those, those cost money. And uh, are, is that something that the distributor might co-op? Because that, that can be a big hit to your budget. 
Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, does the company allow rep ride widths and crew drives? So uh, rep ride widths, that's where your salesperson, we, we, we talked about hiring a salesperson uh, sort of in the second tier level uh, earlier in the second segment. And uh, you certainly want to have that person ride along with the distributor salespeople, particularly the on-premise people, so they can learn the nuances and, 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 and kind of become ambassadors for your brand. Uh, the other thing is, is crew drives. And I, I, I don't even like that term anymore. I don't know if you guys have heard that term no no what is uh, crew drive is where you you get a team let's say you get the brewer you get i mean you get pretty no. much everybody that's available and you come out and then you, on a um, say two days out of the week and you blitz the market you hit as many off and on-premise accounts as possible and your okay. goal is to really hey we're going to try to get 10 handles in the next two days and and 50 placements of our six packs so that's where you just kind of blitz things but but what i'm i'm seeing as you get into these bigger distributors is these crew drives you know, they, they do work, but my suggestion is as you're talking about these up front, maybe in this trimester business review, call them an appointment drive, JP. Not an appointment drive. Because how many times – there's so many times and you've got a big dog like freaking Tasty's out. You know, you've got Tasty in the car. You're going in there and you want to make a big presentation. You're looking for one or two handles at this sure. this cool sports bar. Oh, I'm sorry. The buyer's not in. Hmm. You know, you can have yeah, the, the barbacks available. Yeah. Well, you know, come on. You know, offense <laughs> right. to the barback. He's probably going to be a bartender soon. But, but make, get make, the make freaking appointment. Good point. I make go out your distributor work a little bit. Yeah, I won't go out with an appointment. That's for sure. Yeah, so get get appointments up front. That's what you want, you guys. So uh, just a couple more here. Does the distributor have a specialized craft or import division? More oh, on yeah. the craft. Uh, but but uh, we do at DBI, and uh, I think more and more distributors are going that way. But that really is going to help you. Is You're, you're going to already have people that are craft savvy. So that's going to improve your probability of success and improve your probability in, in gaining distribution and volume for your brand. Makes sense. So last one, uh, I think I've got 40 in the book. Look, but this is 22. Can your distributorship execute tap takeovers at large on-premise accounts? So that means they've got a pretty big draft team that can go in to a big freaking account. Um, what would be a big uh, an account example? Um, what's that big account? A, right beer, at, beer Revolution would be a, a big one. Beer 40, Revolution. 49 taps. 49 taps. So can, oh, okay. can, you, can you go into uh, Beer Revolution? I'm trying to think of that one that's right in front of the, the uh, Zeitgeist has 60 something. It's right in front of AT&T. It's, um, oh, Public House. Oh, yeah, public, public House. house. Yeah. So can you go into the Public House, for example, and can you can your team set up six, seven, eight handles of beer so when we can do a tap takeover? So you, you want a distributor that can do things like that. And I've got a pretty cool picture in my book on, on that one, too. But but what's, what's key about that is if you can conduct a tap takeover, you've got all these great brands you're putting it into the on-prem so you're already solidifying that relationship with that account that's doing the tap takeover but then you got your sales force maybe you do your appointment drive jp a couple days before and then you're driving those people you're inviting them to that tap takeover so you're making you're having a really efficient week oh well you know we don't have time to drink the beer say on on wednesday during the the appointment drive but why don't you come out friday night and you're gonna you know we have a tap takeover and they can go ahead and try all these different beers and their guards down yeah uh, Justin, I mean, they're they're it's a good idea. Yeah, they're 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 gonna they're, they want to try your beer. Sure. So, and your probability of getting them to take to authorize, you know, that's what you want. That's the whole goal, and that's kind of the synergy of combining these things: tap takeover with a crew drive or appointment drive, uh, rep ride. These are key questions you want to ask your distributor. Are these things that they can execute for you? Okay. 
Anyhow, so we're kind of wrapping up here. Um, one of uh, the huge challenges in breaking into the chains is procuring authorization. As I mentioned way back when in the first segment, I've, I've been through a lot of chain presentations, uh, good and bad, and they, they are really challenging. I devote a full chapter on this, and I, I strongly recommend that you read it. Uh, the buyer will want to have you uh, – here, here, here's the big challenge is the buyer will want you to have your distribution footprint in place while the distributor will only commit – the big distributors will only commit if you have the chain authorizations. <laughs> so therein lies the challenge. Yeah. Anyhow, so um, that that is 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 my my four steps of the uh, the home brewer evolution, and I hope that that was of some value to our listeners. Absolutely, I think that you guided us through a, a really from point A to point B uh, uh, with a lot of information. I do really recommend the book because, like you said, you just gave us twenty questions, but there's forty in the book, and there and are. you gave us a couple of examples here in this presentation, but there's tons in the book, and uh, you, you have a lot of experience in this. And I like that you're still, you know, you're, you're very heavily in this game, in the distributor game. So uh, run that game. This is some up to date stuff right here. Yeah, you know, I might I'm add if you're, if you're a listener and you like this kind of stuff more than you like <clears throat> making beer, or maybe you could see yourself hmm. having more success. At the marketing than making beer? Oh, it's yeah. needed. Start a brewery. Hire a brewer. Just hire a guy. Yeah. You go out and do this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Good point. Yeah. yeah. So sort of finishing up uh, from my perspective is uh, brand positioning. And we hinted at it just a couple of, a couple of times in the earlier portions uh, of the presentation. But, <laughs> but I want to use this term, uh, key differentiating advantage, and what I call KDA. And that's something that uh, I want you to always be thinking about. And as, as far as what is a KDA, well, it's a product's single most unique attribute or benefit, preferably some salient point that no other brand can lay claim to or easily duplicate. Hmm. The goal is to own this spot within the consumer's black box. This is a place in each consumer's mind where only the most clearly defined brands are tucked away. This is where brand loyalty lives and thrives. The KDA supports the why I buy your beer behind the consumer's loyalty. It contributes to the physical act of reaching to the shelf for your six-pack. Mm-hmm. An example of a KDA, Anchor Steam. Their key differentiating advantage is the fact that the brand is San Francisco's original steam beer. So always include your KDA and your brand story. Mm-hmm. You know, the zig versus the zag. What makes your beer absolutely unique and different from everyone else's? It's not easy, man, and that's where maybe you need a creative marketing person that's really a creative marketing person down to the DNA to help you figure that out. Because I, we, we've got geez, 1,700 SKUs and 75 different suppliers, and, and so many of them are so immersed in their own stuff that they can't really step out and really even see their KDA. So it's guys like me that kind of help identify that hmm. and then and then uh, push it. And you push it and you push it and you push it. From, push it real good. That's it. <laughs> push it real good from day one to, to, to you know, the final day. 
I, yeah. I heard from uh, Tom McCormick, who's the uh, yeah. president of the California Craft Brewers Association. Uh, we were talking about opening a, opening a brewery. Really good guy. Really smart guy as well. And he was talking about you know whether or not one should open a brewery. And his recommendation was if you don't have a KDA, if you don't have some story, if you don't have something that makes you unique, he was saying to me, I would not open a brewery right now. If you're just the next pale ale or the next IPA or the next whatever, and you don't have a, a, a key uh, defining attribute, remember that, right? Yep. Don't even bother because it's just there's just too many of you. So don't bother. He was pretty adamant about just saying, "Don't do it." You yeah, know? Tom's got my book, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, very. I mean, excellent point. Thanks, Justin. And and yeah, as I mentioned earlier, forty one hundred plus breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, Tasty in, in the U.S. more than in the history of this country. I mean, it is a great freaking time to be in the beer business, yeah. bottom line. But, yeah. but geez, you, you do need to have your best liquid, guys. You yeah. absolutely have to you know, bring it. And uh, you need a marketing plan behind it because there's just too many behind you that uh, you know, want that space. Excuse me. There's there's finite shelf space. There's finite handles in your bars and and uh, you know hotel motels and your sports bars and all those places. So you really have got to be buttoned down and and uh, have your your game plan ready to go. Don't forget to include the Brewing Network as part of your marketing plan, yes. ladies yeah, and baby. gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. When you're writing that out there and you want to get the word out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we can help you do that. We're pretty damn good at it. That's right. So, uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is Mark Colburn, uh, author of Craft Beer Marketing, Brace for Skewmageddon. You can go to craftbeermarketing.com and check it out. Excuse uh, me, Justin, and, and we'll see you guys on the great Labruski cruise in March. Is that right? Absolutely. We're going on that. I just found out that you're going. Yeah. Uh, some of our friends Ooh, from Lagunitas are going. Uh, there's a bunch JP, of good you going? I'm going. JP, you're right. going. Passport. God. Yeah. Tasty? Uh, <laughs> no, I won't be going. Aw, oh, man. It's not going to be any fun there. Tasty, don't you know that I'll be watching Love Boat re- rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't you know Thinking that there's you guys. more motion no. on the ocean? <laughs> there is, yes. Oh. Right? You're missing out, The Tasty. IPAs are settling in. Like Happy <laughs> holidays, everybody. Yeah. All right, go see Mark uh, uh, on Twitter at Skewmageddon. Go to craftbeermarketingdistribution.com. You can go buy the book. You can also check it out on Amazon. Uh, Mark's email is shinerunner at comcast.net. Don't send him a million emails about pitching your brand, but I'm sure if you have questions about the book or you need help, he'd be happy to answer you and uh yeah maybe uh, those of you who are going on the Labruski cruise can can come bug mark yeah, on a, yeah. at, at the bar where we'll be hanging out get him, get him all lubed up <laughs> yeah that's it thanks uh well thanks for being on the program thanks so much for sharing all that information uh hey do me a favor say hi to our friend randy uh we call him randy the mexican over there at um, <laughs> so when you go back to dbi and you see our friend randy mark say the Brewing Network said, hi, Randy the Mexican. Don't worry. It won't get you in trouble. I will remember that. Definitely. <laughs> that and I told him all he knows. Remember that. Yeah, all right. right. See you. Cheers. All right. Thanks for being on the show. We're going to take a, a little break here. When we come back, we got some beer news, a couple things to wrap up. We'll do our Twitter game, which enters you for a chance to win uh, a cabin on the Labruski Cruise and uh, a whole lot more going on. So hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back.
listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Marin Brewing Company in Northern California has been making award-winning beers for more than 25 freaking years. Today, I want to tell you about their new 12-ounce cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale. The good stuff, Mount Tam is bright gold. 5.5% ABV to keep you feeling good and has been winning awards since 1989. If you're visiting the Bay Area, get your butt out to Marin Brewing Company. They pour tasty beers and serve great food every day until midnight. Come in for a tour, stay for the food, and pick up a six-pack of cans of Mount Camp Ale Ale to enjoy at home, camping, biking, or whatever the hell you do. Owner Brandon Moylan has this to say about Marin Brewing Beers. It's freaking awesome. Marin Brewing has won more than 100 gold medals in international competitions. Check out MarinBrewing.com for all their award-winning beers, food, and merch. Marin Brewing Company in Larksburg, California. Award-winning taste, refreshing finish. It's freaking awesome. Beer tasting games that train your palate, a brewery locator, and the brand new interactive beer style guide. These are just a few of the awesome things you'll find on craftbeer.com. The style guide is a beautiful example of technology in beer. Browse beer style families or turn on the automatic beer style finder and explore beer through color, bitterness, ABV, aroma, and flavor. It's really the coolest way to explore every beer style besides having them all in front of you. Go to craft craftbeer.com and click on beer styles to start the guide plus enjoy the rest of craftbeer.com the brewers banter blogs beer education how to host a beer tasting and the invaluable draft quality manual tons of great content that makes your beer better visit the new craftbeer.com right now and explore the website that brings you all the passion camaraderie and creativity of the craft beer community craftbeer.com celebrating the best of american beer Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanishef, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of Citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. 
Segmented. Demented. Fermented. Fermented. It's the session. Yes, thanks to Mark Colburn for hanging out with us tonight, teaching us about craft beer marketing and how to bring your homebrew to the marketplace. Uh, a lot of information there. Check out his book uh, if you wanna if you want more info. I think that's the way to do it. You're gonna you're gonna like it. You're gonna appreciate me for recommending it. <laughs> wow, that's what's gonna happen. Fine. Whoa, for once. Yeah. Speaking of great books, uh, let me let you know about quality management from Brewers Publications. A great book that you need uh, if you want to pay attention to what were the two things that, that Mark said: uh, quality, quality and, and production uh, and, no, consistency. and consistency. Thank you. You listened in class, JP. He kept making sure of it. I'm a C student. He's a teacher, right? Because you're always like calling he's, on those. Right? Engaging, engaging. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm I'm over here typing beer news. Instead, going, Mark, I love you, dude. Uh, well, as craft beer sales flourish across the country, you need a way to make sure uh, that you take care of the most important thing, which is quality management. And Brewers Publications is taking care of that for you by uh, publishing quality management. Uh, so please do go check it out. Get the book. You're going to need it uh, oh, yeah. to make sure that you do the right thing. Do the right thing. <laughs> Spike Lee would. Yeah. Step one, buy that book. Yeah. It's a small price to pay, believe me. That's, a, that's, that's <laughs> right. money well spent. Uh, in the book, Quality Control and Assurance Plans, uh, HACCP uh, Risk Assessment, uh, Good Manufacturing Practices, Failure Modes Effect Analysis, Asset Care, Sensory Analysis, General Audit Reports, Standard Operation Procedures, uh, you name it, it is in quality management. Go check it out over on the uh, brewerspublications.com. All right. I think at this point in time, <laughs> it's time for us to do a little bit of beer news, right? Yes. Let's do some beer news. Beer news is brought to you today by the Wine and Hop Shop. Uh, you got to go check them out. Uh, Wine and Hop Shop. Uh, they're, they've been sponsoring the beer news for you and doing a good job of it uh, for uh, some time now. Yeah. You can go to wineandhop.com, and Brewing Network listeners get uh, $8 flat rate shipping on orders under 50 pounds. So just enter BN Shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, and the discount <laughs> will take, uh, take place uh, after checkout. So use BN Shipping when you go to Wine and Hop. Dot com and thank the Wine and Hop Shop for uh, being a sponsor. Of ours. Please do. Yeah. And, uh, uh, coming from a former uh, shop uh, worker, employee, uh, we love that shit, man. I mean, every time we get a comment on an invoice saying, I heard about you guys from the Brewing Network, and I love it, and thanks for supporting, yeah. we'd all go wave it around like we won the golden ticket or something. It was nice. awesome. It was really cool. So right. they, well, they really do appreciate that. Please do let them know, and all of our sponsors know, when you uh, support them because of the BN. All right. Uh, what's in the news, JP? Oh, man, I'm really excited for this. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard the latest out of Dogfish Head, but they have a new a new beer out. Uh, they say they've made the hoppiest beer ever documented through scientific analysis. Hmm. Their beer is called Who Loud. H O O L A W D. Are we playing? Loud. Are we playing? Find the fake right now? Or <laughs> yeah. I don't believe it. This is a real thing. Uh, okay. It gets so much better. Uh, which is supposedly the explanation, exclamation, you will make after you take your first sip. Hoo loud! Hoo loud! Uh, why would you make this explanation? Uh. Because the beer clocks in at an amazing 658 IBUs. Come on. Scientifically mm. proved, like they put it in a measured? gas chromatograph, measured, third party, I think White Labs actually measured it. <laughs> yeah. How is it even? I mean, that's just a bunch of okay, extract. Okay, so the scale right? goes that far. Who has had a second sip of it? What is it? Okay, is it? You order like a like you get like a 
32 ounce pour of that? What do you get? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Did um, they just bottle hop extract? It's a hop extract. It's kind of cool, actually. So Sam Calagione acknowledges his new beer is abnormally intense. That's quotes. Uh, he says, who loud isn't for everyone, <laughs> but we've had a lot of fun and learned a lot about pushing the outer limits of hop dosing volumes and techniques with this experimental brew. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was kind of cool a spin on this really super cray marketing beer. Yeah. Um, because they're, they're just trying to learn, and, and you know that's why Vinny Push made uh, Blind yeah. Pig in the first place. Right? Sure. To just test the limits of his system and look what happened there. there yeah. Um, Sam goes on. Uh, quote, but as far as our research shows, those breweries referencing over 500 IBU beer were making theoretical claims for these IBU targets. Nothing wrong with that. That's based on a mathematical calculation the brewers make themselves on paper. But they do not actually have the IBU rate scientifically verified by a third-party lab as we did with... <laughs> <laughs> Which we now know clocks in at 658 IBUs. Wow. When asked what will keep people drinking this beer beyond their first intense taste, Sam kicks the PR, uh, the PR machine uh, up big time here. He says... Uh, quote, Isn't that what it's all about? Well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. uh, he says, a thirst for pushing their palate towards a lupulin threshold shift. That's what will keep people drinking this. Oh. Uh, almost every IPA lover I know has experienced a version of this phenomena, a thirst for being adventurous and experimental IPA drinkers. It's a similar thrill to the one we get being experimental IPA brewers. We didn't make this beer for mass production. We brewed eight kegs of it to learn more about pushing tech, uh, technical boundaries of brewing inordinately hoppy beers. Eight kegs of it? Eight kegs. Four barrels. What system yeah. at Dogfish They brews? must have a pilot system. Yeah. Well, they probably put it on their, their normal 100-barrel system or whatever it is, and that's all they got out of the. <laughs> I'm just kidding. With um, all the hops. Yeah, right. It's it's squeeze yeah. and squeeze yeah. and everything, yeah. 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 everything else was right. left in the yeah. whirlpool. Um, we brewed eight <laughs> kegs of it to learn more about pushing uh, technical boundaries. And as a beer educational component, get ready for this, for an episode of our web series, That's Odd, Let's Drink It, which is focused on the subject of hoppy beers. The episode with Who Lob premieres tomorrow, in which my pals, the actors Ken Marino and Joe Lotruglo, try the beer on camera and create a faux Who Lob TV ad that's an homage to the old That's a Spicy Meatball Alka-Seltzer ad. Okay. The beer goes on our pub tomorrow at 5, and we will also pour it at the Extreme Beer Fest in Boston in February. So uh, at first when I read this, I was like... he. He's like 10 years too late for the extreme I, the IBU thing. <laughs> then reading this whole thing about he wants to recreate a, a, a commercial that nobody right now remembers. Yeah. It's from the 80s. I don't remember. I think he's wrong about that. I, I, yeah. I think he's yeah. losing his marble. I think Chef he's... Boyd, yeah. <laughs> Um, Has so he gone crazy? I did see a photo of, of, of him and um, you know a couple other people brewing this beer. And yeah, there was a, an open silver can, which I can only imagine was extract. So I'm assuming... That this this is, had to be done with extra. With tons of extra. Oh, yeah. Because you just can't, with all that vegetable matter, you know, yeah. we know when we put a pound of hops in to try to record, uh, mm-hmm. recreate Plant mm-hmm. of the Elder, for example, yeah. it's just, it's too much, it's too does much crap, he, man. Well, does he say what it tastes like? Um, he does not. I don't I think mean, he goes on to describe it. Uh, I am let's get curious. I really do well, want to try it. I do soon. know that if you go to the pub there, you have to sign a waiver. <laughs> and it's like a, a mock waiver or yeah. whatever, but the fact that you yeah. have to do it is uh, is pretty, pretty weird. funny. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and then well, he's waiting two months a... to serve it because it's uh, already well, made and no, he, they're no, going to taste it. It's in going February. on. No, it's already on tap at their pub already. It went oh, on like okay. last week. No. Uh, but they will. All, it will also be at the Extreme Beer Fest in Boston. So if you're going to that in February, yeah. you can try some. There's only eight well, kegs. I don't know how many are going. Two months isn't yeah. fresh enough, guys. Well, and how many IBUs will be left by then? It could be down to like it's, 648. Uh, it's just not fresh know, enough. Who loud? What is it going to taste? I just, I, I, I would. I would get like a. 
pitcher of uh, Hellas <laughs> and put like two ounces of that in it. Of the extract. And, have a pale ale or something. and then there you go. I really, we got to call Sam and you know some of that, <laughs> yeah. find out about I would, this. I would nonsense. honestly like to try it. Yeah. Um, but apparently it's pretty, uh, it's pretty big, man. Okay. Do you think your yeah, reaction after trying it would be, Oh, that would be more like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, the don't they say that that our perception threshold of IBUs yeah. is somewhere around so 100? He was asked anyway? about that, and okay. um, you know, he said that's what science is kind of pointing to now. But we're always finding new ways of pushing those boundaries. And mm. he's like, "There's even a debate if we only have five senses." Oh, right. Um, and just how like food science is coming together, we're starting to learn how to taste new things, and so sure, uh, that's the. You know the reasoning behind it. Okay. Yeah. Well. What effect would that beer have on like male uh, virility? That's a lot of <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of estrogen. You know, what I mean, uh, that could knock you out of the game. Uh, well, I think it's also going to produce oh, yeah. a lot of babies. I think <laughs> it could produce. Wait. Oh, I see. Oh. Yeah. Oh, because it's drinking. So it yeah. makes you more. Right. Maybe. Well, no, make that, you more flaccid. Over time. That maybe. could make the movie Junior actually happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a baby. Whatever. Yeah. Could happen. That and that and a plate of. A mommy and uh, <laughs> good. <laughs> All right. So that's the latest out of way uh, to go, Sam. Good job. Or whatever. Okay. Uh, this next one is about a group of beer drinkers trying to stop the AB merger. As uh, AB InBev and SAB Miller, the world's two largest beer companies, negotiate terms of their planned one hundred six billion dollar merger. Yeah. A group of beer enthusiasts have filed a federal lawsuit against what they perceive as a monopoly in the making. Beer um, enthusiasts. Enthusiasts. So <laughs> a lawsuit from nineteen Oregonian name there. Yeah. Three Californians and one Washingtonian. <laughs> is okay. that the word? Yeah, yeah apparently. Right. Uh, with no clear connections to the beer industry. Nobody's in the beer oh. industry. They're just consumers. Right. Yeah. Uh, what Californian doesn't want to file a lawsuit? But That's, as well, consumers, they're the ones affected by a monopoly in the market. So they're a victim. So exactly. They yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. they filed it on the grounds that would create an unfair marketplace mm-hmm. for other beer companies controlling consumers' options. They did, they're not asking for any money. But an attorney for the group said that might come later if the group is not successful in stopping the merger. <laughs> wait, go, wait. We'll go for money. So they'll sue for damages if they lose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, portion, wanna, where do I sign up? <laughs> right. Right. Portions of the lawsuit state that, quote, the plaintiffs are threatened with loss or damage in the form of higher beer prices and less consumer options. If defendants' proposed transaction is consummated, plaintiffs will sustain irreparable harm for which damages will be unable to compensate plaintiffs mm. and that competition, once lost, cannot easily be restored. Interesting. Mm. Uh, Oregon is, as we know, a huge cornerstone in the country's craft beer scene as with well, hundreds uh, of craft breweries who have an estimated... $2.83 billion impact on the local economy. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, that and like uh, beard trimming. trimming. <laughs> Big right. business in Portland. Uh, if and AB, beard glitter now. Yeah. <laughs> beard glitter is the new, new crap. It's new hotness. Uh, if AB InBev's takeover of SAB Miller is successful, the resulting conglomerate would control over 30% of the global beer market and nearly 75% of the American market. Yeah, that's that, that is truthfulness. So, things are happening. These uh these uh, bastions of uh, rational thought up in Oregon and Washington and California. They're trying to they're trying to save us, they're trying mm. to save everybody. In this merger. You know, I know you guys talked about this while I was gone, but can we just do it again quickly? Bow's point. 
a billion dollars? <laughs> yeah. $4,700 per yeah. barrel. Whose what? head is not spinning right now from a $1 billion acquisition of Ballast Point? I know those people. Yousef and Jack are now part of a $1 billion buyout. This is blowing my mind. And so why aren't they a sponsor? I, I, good question. <laughs> I tried. Well, Constellation brands must use a different rule of thumb, obviously. <laughs> I think they have a giant thumb. They're yeah. <laughs> rather large. Well, thumb. they got that. They got that dis, uh, distillery going, <laughs> right? Too. It's a combination of and, industry. And that the spirits market was that is part growing. of the buy too. They got the oh, distillery. I would imagine. It, yeah, it was the entire yeah. Ballast Point company. It was yeah. the everything. So they could yeah. be, you know, dollar per dollar. They could be more profitable than a lot of breweries are saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, barely. Is it maybe the bottom line? Maybe you should go by revenue. We ran through some numbers, and, and uh, this year they're looking to double what mm-hmm. they did last year. Mm-hmm. Ballast Point R. Like, their their growth is insane. You know, and something I read, you know, made a good point. When you get to the size of Ballast Point, you know, your your other option from getting bought out is to invest in yourself for the next phase of growth. But when you're when you're that size, the next phase of, phase of growth is incredibly expensive. Yeah, who's so going to give you the money for so that? They could have gone into millions and millions yeah. of dollars in debt, or take a billion dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they're in debt. Uh, yeah, they Island. sold the company. Yeah, they, that's yeah. the debt. Yeah. So why don't you want to open a brewery? Because oh, I'm not that smart. I, this is not going to happen for me that way. But it does make it actually. And here's uh, this is what I worry about: is that a bunch of idiots like me start to go. I better get into the brewery. <laughs> Come get my billion <laughs> for my billion dollars. Well, that's what I think. That's, or, or, that's what happens. Yeah, or, or not yeah. idiots like me is probably even even worse. Is that a bunch of you know uh, Harvard business grads are instead yeah. of looking at the right. at the drug industry, the pharmaceutical industry, or the the banking industry, uh, they start looking at the beer industry. Well, we have yeah. some of those in, we coming do. up in the we have all of the components you just mentioned. In the beer news. Okay. St. Archer was sort of that way. All right. <laughs> um, St. Archer now, if you look at yeah. that comparison, you're like, oh, big deal. Yeah. yeah. 30 mil or something like that they got for that. But that brewery. was a made-to-be-sold uh, deal, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, and they were and that's also a like huge a number now, though. But that's yeah. the point of a billion-dollar buyout is that now 38 mil for, for tiny little oh. St. Archer uh, looks like pennies. Maybe yeah. everything goes up. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, All right. Uh, speaking of popular I'm breweries, starting to yeah, yeah, you should. Tasty, I'm with you. Speaking of popular breweries that aren't around anymore, uh, in a surprise announcement, Pretty Things Beer and Ale Project founders Dan Paquette mm-hmm. and Martha Holly Paquette announced no. that they were bringing the project to a close. If you recall, uh, last October, Paquette sent a series of tweets condemning the pay-to-play practices in the state, sparking a state investigation that eventually found fault with their own distributor. Craft Beer Guild LLC with Pretty Things own distributor. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, the owners left a very cryptic blog post on the website thanking uh, folks in some capacity or another, but offering no real reasons as to why they are closing. And I can read it for you if you want, but it's essentially we yeah. love everybody and we had a great time and and uh, we loved meeting you even if you didn't like our beer. And, but it uh, didn't we'll cite any specific reason. And I can't find a single thing online about no. any, anybody interviewing them. They're not taking any calls about it. They're not talking about it at all. They just they. Just shut it down. So there's a couple things that c- it could be here. One of them could be that they're just tired of the business and decided to move on, yeah. you know, in part because of these sort of t- tactics that they were unveiling. And maybe they've got a new a new project in the works. May, it may or may not have – it probably has nothing to do with beer, okay? Yeah. That's the one you sort of want it to be, right? right. And that's right. possible. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. kicking a pause. There's another element here that uh, may be in play is that um, – 
they never had a brewery. They they were using like what we call alternating proprietorship. Right. Yeah. So they would go in and use their people to brew yeah. their beer on somebody else's equipment. Uh, then, of course, that implies that this brewery uh, that they're using has excess capacity. We'll say over time they lose that excess capacity. Now they have to find yeah. other places to get the beer. I could see that. <clears throat> I, I see what you're saying as a potential, but I, I'm, I don't think it's probable because I think this they could have find the other. At the same time, it makes the it other easy thing to start I, back up. Right. But names. they're not doing that. They're just well, saying well, we're done. Well, so the other thing I think is more probable is that their whistleblowing got them into a lot more trouble than they anticipated. So they somehow in hmm. some agreement, they said, well, okay, well. Well, I just think that if bars who are participating oh. in that practice stopped buying oh. beer from them and got other bars to stop buying beer from them, huh. if the very distributor that distributes them ended up being convicted, you know, uh, found guilty of the crime that they were uh, whistleblowing, I think that there's a lot of repercussions for... Let me. Interesting. We know we have boots mm-hmm. on the ground. This, any listeners? I would be curious to, to know. Yeah. And let me tell you why I think of this theory. And that's because I thought of it uh, happening to me. It was brought to my attention about a year ago, maybe a little more, from a, a brewery friend that these practices are happening locally as well. And this brewery friend was uh, recommending that maybe I do an expose on it here on the BN and that we actually start to bring in people to talk about this practice. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of shied away from it because for two reasons. For one, I didn't feel that we were going to get the type of honesty required to for it to actually be an expose. I'm no reporter. I'm not. This is not my field of expertise. So I felt like I'm going to get myself into trouble and not actually do much good. If I felt I could do a lot of good, I might have reconsidered. But I thought I was going to not do much good. And shoot myself in the foot as we're trying to, we're still struggling in this industry to get sponsors, to get breweries, to, uh, it, it felt like a really hard position for me to take. It wasn't much win, but lots of Yeah, exactly. And so when I read this about pretty things, I thought the same thing. I thought, yeah. all right, they went for it because they're being affected by this practice. Uh, and I don't know, I I think we'd buy, be naive to think it didn't affect their business model and, and well, their sales. I don't think that they directly called out their own <coughs> distributor, but what they were saying led to an investigation, which led to their distributor. That's what I'm saying. Oh, distributor. Right. You, you don't, you don't have to call happened. out your own distributor. Yeah. You're yeah. the whistleblower. They got your distributor in trouble. No, that's true. Yeah. It and also got your accounts in trouble, I think, is a, is a, a pretty safe assumption. Yeah. Uh, so, the, so the distributor hmm. certainly said... Well, we're not going to distribute your beer anymore. Yeah. yeah oh, by the way, uh, were, we have franchise laws here. It, you're not going to have any beer distributed at all. And, of course, this is all speculation, all right? Let of me course. just say yeah, that. Yeah, this yeah. is just me thinking about – because they were they were a fairly successful brewery with great marketing. Uh, oh, yeah, speaking they had of great today's marketing. topic, yeah. um, they had great brand loyalty. But, uh, they I had mean, a little bit of attitude in the industry that I think people liked. But, I mean, yeah. if, if it was really the, 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 the distribution and, and their local markets, they were a gypsy brewery. They didn't have a brewery. Yep. They, so they could have just moved markets. I mean, they, oh, there was, I yeah. don't think that's easy at all. I don't think you don't think to so? just With say, oh, just move markets. No, no. No. I think that's exactly I mean, what Mark was here talking about. You, mm, you really that, have to build up a whole thing. It's feet but, on the ground. Well, but you I don't think, just go, ah, oh, fuck it. We'll go to Texas. Well, I think I think with their business model, that's kind of what it, it was about. It was brewery wise, but not sales wise. OK, yeah, uh, I think it, it would be hard, but it would be easier with a pre-existing brand and, and a reputation. And the backstory yeah. of, and, like, we got ran out of this state. Now it, we're in your state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but, and again, uh, speculation. 
My assumption was on It's really fishy to me. The timing of the thing is kind of crazy. It's weird. And I feel like if that was a problem, we would have first heard a story that says uh, Pretty Things having trouble getting beer produced as fast as they're selling it. Like, that would have been the headline. The headline wouldn't be... Peace One day out. you're in business, the yeah. next day we're out of here. Yeah. That's why I'm reluctant about that theory. If they sell their cakes. But uh, we're all, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we're all just pulse. guessing here. I don't know. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, here's some good news, and as Mark uh, alluded to, today is a, uh, a, well, this year is a great year for the number of U.S. breweries. We've uh, officially uh, reached the capacity that we were at uh, pre-prohibition. So ah, yeah. uh, we topped a high of 44,131 uh, breweries in 1873. Uh, as it stands right now, there are 4,144 breweries in the country. Wow. Uh, brewery openings are exceeding two a day. Fifteen states are now home to more than 100 breweries. Uh, the IPA remained wait, the top wait, style. Wait, 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 yes. wait, what? Fifteen states? Fifteen states have more than 100 breweries. <laughs> wow. That's California, an impressive number. Of course, Washington, of course. Oregon's on there, definitely. Colorado, for sure. Michigan, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Texas, Ohio, Florida, Virginia, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Indiana. Wow. Wisconsin has over 100 breweries. <laughs> Yeah. What the fuck is going on? Where you on? can find the wine and hop shop. Right? There are more bars than churches in Wisconsin, though, also. Oh, uh, mm. that's true. Uh, IPA remained the top style sold by independent craft brewers uh, and continues to grow faster than the overall craft category. So demand for IPA grows more than people producing it? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, data shows that locally made is important to over half of craft beer buyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, similarly, knowing that the beer is made by a small independent brewery is important to a majority of craft beer drinkers. Which I thought was kind of neat. Uh, there is that definite uh, down home, support your local friend first yeah. kind of yeah. a deal. Um, there are some other cool stats. that the, This is all uh, put out, of course, by the Brewers Association. Um, the approximate population in 1873, when we had 4,133 breweries or whatever, yeah. 42 million. Okay. Wow. Now we have 312 million. Yeah. So, we're, so, so there's room for million. a lot more. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, 42 so per capita, we're still doing awful. We're supporting the same number of breweries that we have now. Yeah. Essentially. Huh. Um, in 1873, there were 8.9 million barrels produced. Uh, right now, there's 22.3. Uh, they're saying that one ba- that's one barrel for every 4.7 people at the 8.9 mark in 1873 right I like now. That. See, that's the ratio I like. It's uh, pretty good, it right? matches my consumption. Now it's, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, we're brewing one barrel for every 14 people. Hmm. So definitely a lot of people need to come on board if we're going <laughs> to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then uh, this is kind of a cool stat. There's top producing beer states. Um, right now, Pennsylvania produces 4.1 million barrels. A beer. Wow. wow. California, 3.4. Hmm. And Colorado, 1.7 million. It's a lot of beer. Kind of wow. Neat. Yeah. So wow. yay for beer, dude. Yeah. yeah. That's, We're running this game, Cole. Things are going well. well. What a time to live around craft beer. Wow. <laughs> we only have four more years until the next prohibition. I feel like we're watching it, like... Blow up and end at the same time. <laughs> what be? Does, that, does anybody else feel that way? Yeah. Like, like it's on the up and it's 
collapsing at the same time. Well, it feels like my life. <laughs> uh, things are going great are and up. awful yeah. at the same time. Well, overall beer consumption is down, but craft is growing. Right. It's yeah. a very weird spot to well, be. Well, in the buyouts and the and you, you yeah. and then you and you see these places opening, but then you see places going out of business. Well, uh, speaking of that, it's just mm. this is about uh, Magnolia and their expansion in the dog pound. Ah, I saw like, this. Oh, yeah. so, uh, Magnolia over, uh, owner Dave McLean voluntarily fi- filed for bankruptcy protection on November 30th, according to court documents. Mm-hmm. McLean opened Magnolia Gastro Pub and Brewery in 1997 up there in the Haight in San Francisco. Great place. He opened uh, his nearby sister bar, the Alembic, which is just up the, the hill from them, I think, uh, nine years later. Uh, so that's two locations for him. And then in 2014, Magnolia underwent its biggest expansion yet, opening Smokestack, a brewery and barbecue restaurant in the Dogpatch neighborhood of San Francisco, and quintuple, quintupling beer production. Yeah, that essentially was wow. to serve yeah. as their production facility, yeah. yeah, as well as putting in the... Uh, and it sounds like they've been doing a good job selling beer. Yeah. yeah. $3 million project, if I'm not mistaken. That's what he said, Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, in the end, the, the bills got to him. He says, uh, all three businesses are expected to remain open through the bankruptcy, McLean said. Despite solid bar business and strong sales and growth in beer distribution, the bars have more debt than a company can manage with its current flow of cash. Mm-hmm. He says, we're profitable from our operations, but have a lot of debt that we need to restructure. According to court documents, Magnolia has estimated assets between $1 million and $10 million. Now, that's a giant range. Mm. Are you serious? That, that's I mean, really... that's like my math. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I, how are you guys doing over there? I don't know. We're doing between I, I one. Mean, I got 20 bucks or I got 100 bucks. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you, you figure it out. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, the problem is his estimated so liabilities. Right. Estimate, his estimated liabilities fall within that same range. Uh, so he has about that much debt. Uh, he says uh, uh, they say uh, 181 companies and creditors are owed money by Magnolia. Uh, that dude's had 181 people knocking at his door. Well, Yikes. and and okay, now this is the crux of the information. Yeah. I, now I didn't like to hear this story because Dave's such a nice man. It's tough, yeah. and uh, and I like all of their locations too. But the crux of the story is this is a pretty natural thing to happen in in business. Uh, it's not what you want to happen. I'm not saying it's ideal, but it happens. He took on a risk to uh, you know take out the three mil in, in debt to open a new. Place. It sounds like sales are going great, but yeah. when your debt to cash flow ratio reaches this margin, <laughs> but yeah. but I guess what I'm saying is it's not so bad. It's not that they don't have sales. It's not that they have a dismal future. It's just that the management of those two things, the the cash flow and the debt, at this point in time became impossible because creditors are allowed to go after him with consequence, uh, and he doesn't have the money. Yeah. So the consequences would would actually ruin the business. So the best thing to do is to fire a Chapter 11, yeah. which allows you to keep your assets. It manages the way you put all that debt back, how you, how you pay it back. And they're not, and now they're not allowed to take things away from you that you don't have. Well, and that's right. why he's able to keep his businesses open. I yeah. think if it was any right. more of a dire uh, situation than it is, right. he wouldn't. He would have closed everything, sold all that shit to try well, to help pay for all the stuff, but correct. he wants to stay in business. He wants to be open and pay everybody back. That, that's what yeah. the judge is going to decide, whether or not he it's, thinks that yeah. they can be open and pay it all back. But right. by voluntary go, voluntarily going into it, Dave obviously must feel like 
it's yeah. it's going to happen. Uh, he and, was advised. Yeah. I mean, you don't yeah. do that well, right. really. You, yeah. you, you know, somebody looks at it for you and tells you this is what you do. Right. And, and so that the complicated part, though, is that now the. Now the government dictates how you spend your money, too. Yeah, right. So it's not right. as if Dave now can go, hey, I need a brand new fermenter right now. I, like, I, I need more I, cakes mm-hmm. so I can sell more beer. I right. think that yeah. now what happens is everything is very uh, structured. Uh, because right. that's that's the relief he's getting you know, from. I, mm-hmm. I, it, I'm no expert on it, but I think the point I'm trying to make is it's not as dismal as it sounds. Yeah. The fact that he's making enough money that somebody advised him you're going to be able to get out of this trouble is is a good thing. Right. Uh, because yes. sales it like it's not like the new uh, when I saw the headline I was afraid that I was going to read the smokestack or whatever it's called was like not a hit that people weren't buying anything that it was empty that it was dead and that's yeah. not what they're saying. No, nope, not at because all. Because that no. would be a whole different story, you know. That's like hey, things are over. Yeah, well, it's and there's a good perspective from uh, our friend Tom McCormick at the California Craft Brewers Association. Yeah, uh, he says uh, we're seeing the beginning of a new era in craft beer, in which we'll be getting much more competitive. Uh, it's just getting more and more difficult to keep ahead of the growth and finance the expansion that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says it's only natural and healthy that such a rapid growth in this industry should experience some contraction. Two young craft breweries in Sonoma County, uh, Warped Brewing and Bloodline Brewing, have both announced closures in recent months. Really? So we're still, and that's always kind of been like the hidden number in the brewery growth, um, because we've you know we've grown a hundred breweries in a month doesn't mean that there are a hundred new breweries open. Yeah, yeah. it means right. that there's some that are closed, and so it's just that's kind of uh, you know we're 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 weeding out the stuff, man. You know the point I was trying to make. I don't know if I made it when when uh, Mark was in here. About us and and marketing uh, yeah. is that not that I envy you know that I want Skumageddon or, uh, <laughs> or or places going out of business, but I think my hope over the last several years is that we are uniquely positioned as the brewing network to be able to help breweries. So whereas the answer that we've gotten for so many years is we sell every drop of beer before we make it, yeah, we don't advertise, we don't have an advertising budget. My feeling is that as the competition grows. You better start to figure out an advertising budget. You better start to figure out how to get the word out. And my hope is that we are kind of uniquely positioned here to help people do that. Yeah. Um, and that I can stop hearing that same old answer, you know, like, oh, we don't need this. We don't need that. You know, Sully at the 21st Amendment never said, I don't need that. And he was selling every drop of beer before he made it, too. But his vision of the future was, what about if people know about me when I go into a new market? Well, what about can. if I go into yeah. cans and I've already been talking about it for two months on the Brewing Network? And so. So that kind of attitude, I, I'm hoping, uh, actually changes things around the BN and, and with, with craft brewers so that they go, oh, I better get the word out. Well, yeah. and, and that's, I think, why Sully's a good businessman and a brewer and his business is doing really well because he has that foresight of, yeah, yeah okay, I might be selling every drop of beer that I have. But I still want people to know that I'm around. And yeah. I still want people to go in and ask for my beer. So then when my distributor uh, salesperson comes in. You know, to my bar or to my you know, liquor store or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, you know, hey, people have been asking about this two and A in cans. Do you know anything about that? And, <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, we're right here. And so you can kind of you know help uh, organically grow. Yeah. Uh, instead of just doing a giant sales push. And he's always wanted to sell more drops of beer. So I think he should. Yeah. Yeah. 
So really, his key to success was advertising on the, the Brewing, Brewing Network, Network is I what you're saying. I'm pretty, much, right. I'm pretty much claiming that uh, Sully's success is my success. Let's right. do it. Yeah. 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 That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is kind of a long one, and I apologize, but it's really fascinating to me. So we've all talked about it on the show before, uh, that not your father's root beer, the alcoholic mm-hmm. root beer kind of thing going on. Yeah. Um, which is uh, apparently the, it's the new hotness. Everybody's uh, clamoring for this beer. It clocks in about 6% ABV, and it's about $12 a six-pack. Uh, sales have exploded for the brewery called Small Town Brewery LLC, who recently sold a good portion. Good name. It's pretty good, right? And I wonder where it is. Trademarked. Okay. Um, who recently sold a portion of their business to Paps Brewing. Okay. Uh, since uh, which since its rollout early this year, it's a pr- pretty much a brand new brand, and it's already selling portion of their business to Paps. Right. Uh, since its rollout earlier this year, it's brought in. Seventy-five million dollars through November first. Wow! wow. In, a sh- in what eight months or so? Yeah. Well, November's the eleventh month. Well, but I said earlier this year, asshole. Oh. I didn't say specifically January first. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, but it's definitely not a beer. That's what everyone's been, uh, you know, been saying. It's 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 not a malt beverage. It's not a thing. It's just root beer, right? Okay. Uh, in fact, Pabst, uh, Pabst owner Eugene Cashper told a crowd at a conference in New York last month that he wanted Small Town to become quote America's Gruet Brewer. So they're really kind of pushing this <laughs> oh, as because no. uh, it's made with malt and it has alcohol, but there's no hops in it supposedly because that's what a Gruet is, right? right? But they're gonna have to change the name because there's nothing marketable about Gruet. <laughs> no, right? Absolutely not. No. It always yeah. reminds um, me of the Druids every time I hear Gruet. They probably drank it. <laughs> um, according to uh, Nielsen, uh, who does uh, the ratings and tracks and stuff, yeah, uh, says flavored malt beverage sales grew nine point five percent last year, which is why brands like Mike's Hard Lemonade. How many mil- how many barrels do you think Mike's Hard Lemonade uh, did last year, Tasty? Do you know? Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, Five hundred thousand. One point uh, six million. Oh man, that's and, a lot of lemonade. Yeah, we forget Which, how much of, of that stuff's actually is consumed. bigger. I know than that's all, a lot of idiots. Is what it is. It's bigger than all craft alcohol brands except Boston and Yingling. Wow, they're Whoa. the third. Wow, one point six million barrels. Million barrels. Jesus, how crazy is that? Uh, Anheuser Busch InBev, um, uh, meanwhile, took notice and paid three hundred and fifty million dollars. To buy Mike's for its Labatt's division. The whole wait, restructuring wait, thing. Wait, 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 wait. What? Oh, wait. What? What? How did that brand, with that volume of sales, get 350 mil, and Ballast got a bill, and isn't doing anything near 1.6 million barrels, right? I, yeah, I don't know, man. I think, well, how does that Hard Lemonade does one product. I mean, they do like flavored lemonade and an incredibly but... enormous amount of it, though. Yeah, I don't know. And and why sales is that are not worth a billion dollars? I don't know. I'm so confused. Well, Mouse Point gets three dollars more a six pack. Well, that's true, yeah. and it's probably brand recognition. It's a great brand, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. Mike's wow. Hard Lemonade doesn't. But the root beer seems no, to be taking. No, I'm saying it's more of brand recognition. Everybody mm. on earth knows Mike's Hard Lemonade. Well, that's true. That's true. But I don't not know, everybody wants it. Agreed. So I guess you're paying for the potential, but still, the disparity between those two numbers well, is yeah, incredible. Yeah, so you're also paying for the for the potential. So Constellation was saying uh, when we talked about it that uh, uh, you know Ballast are, they're on schedule, they're on pace this year to double their production. Yeah, and uh, you know craft beer is growing, and uh, there's some numbers by the BA that put out that uh, I forget them right now, but by 2020 we're going to have 20 percent of the market. Okay, so well, craft fine. is dominating. But right how now. many so times 
I guess. How many times growth before they reach the volume of mics? Mm-hmm. A lot. I don't what know. Do you th- they're going to well, do... How many... How many uh, do you know how many barrels they did offhand? I don't even know. I don't, but I know it's not shit compared to mics. Well, and I know Ballast Point was kind of getting into this market of kind of the wine cooler, like canned cocktail market oh that's and so right yeah that also adds value to the ballast point oh, brand because then point. hey we're gonna put out this cocktail in a can yeah with the ballast point brand so all of the craft beer fans yeah have have already kind of a pre-desire or pre-desire to ballast hard fish juice or right something. yeah <laughs> chum dude that's a great name for bloody, bloody mary, mary yep. in a can <laughs> ballast point chum 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 no, it's not. It's, <laughs> no, it's not. Now, maybe a chalada. Now you're fucking talking because there's oyster sauce or fish guts in the chalada. Already gone, though. That one's taken. But you can still make a chalada. A chum chumlada. Chum is edgier. <laughs> Mom is edgier. Uh, anyway, so those are those numbers behind uh, Not Your Father's Root Beer. Now, as beer lovers and doubters of all things new and grand, there are a few craft beer people who doubt the pedigree that Not Your Father's Root Beer touts. In their About Us page on their website, you read the following, and, and uh, you know, stop me if it's real boring, but uh, uh, this is the um, About Us from the guy who founded supposedly um, small, what is it, small, small town, small town or something, yeah. <laughs> Listen to this uh, spiel. My great-great-grandfather from the 1600s was the captain of a ship in England. Okay, Jim He was Cook. also a bit of a gambler. <laughs> As legend has Ooh. it, he won a brewery during a high-stakes card game, which led him to start crafting his own beers. Because everybody who acquires a brewery from a fucking card game knows how to craft beer. Uh, he began brewing beer on the ships he sailed, blah, blah, blah. The story goes that his beer was even consumed on a fleet of ships he commanded that transported some of the earliest settlers to America. Growing up, I had never heard the complete story until I expressed an interest in making my own beer. When I told my mom that I planned to open a brewery, she finally revealed, finally revealed, my family's beer making history. All right, history. all right, all right, that's enough. No, that's it, that's it. Okay. She was holding out. Uh, yeah, he says, uh, using some of my great-grandfather's re- uh, recipes, I founded Small Town Brewery, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the only beer that they brew that's listed on their website, not your father's root beer. Right. So there, it's already kind of a weird <laughs> shadow thing right over. Doesn't so, make sense. It doesn't make sense. So someone from the Boston Globe uh, recently tried to get to the bottom of just what was going on here. On the phone with a reporter, Tim Kovac, who's the brewer, who we were talking about his great-great-grandfather, relays a story about how a canceled European trip gave him time to brew with his college-age son. The pair decided on a root beer, perfecting it, and blah, blah, blah. Eventually, the beer that went out was an ale, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Kovac lists wintergreen, sarsaparilla bark, anison, cinnamon, nutmeg, blah, 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 and honey as ingredients. Um, but this is a beer, right? There must be hops in it. That's what the reporter's asking. Uh, it has, <laughs> sure, they were. <laughs> it, has, it has floral hops in it, says Kovac. A very small amount. Tasting it, it's nearly impossible to imagine a scenario in which there are hops. All right, I can't hear any more from this guy. No, no, no. This What's is, this the is, point <laughs> of the thing? This is, what, I, the I point can't of hear thing, any more from him. The point of the thing is the brewer is saying... Um, that there is crystal hops and Willamette in the beer, okay. so it's not a Gruet. But uh, anyway, they're they're trying to they're trying to market the thing as a beer. They're also trying to market it as a Gruet. They don't really know what <coughs> okay the thing. So about. are they small and local or not? No. So um, they are. Oh, so, uh, small town brewing is part of Innovative Brewing, which is an LLC. <laughs> so small town brewing has a PO box <laughs> right. in Missoula, Montana. Mm-hmm. It's a subsidiary mm-hmm. of something called Fusion Project. Okay. Which, as uh, in case we don't know, makes Four Loco. Oh, oh, it's a Four Loco brand. Now this makes sense. So Four Loco, yeah, makes not your father's root beer. 
Like a loco so, for just the root beer loco, basically. Root beer loco. So, getting right. to your point about uh, MBA, yeah. uh, the the co-founder of Fusion Projects, Jason, uh, graduated with a business degree in marketing, has an MBA from Ohio State. He's also a graduate of Harvard Business School <laughs> Owners <laughs> President Management Program. So, yeah. people uh, and, and they just you know started a few years ago. So. Now, this was, uh, and I don't want to get into the whole argument about it, but this was always at least when I play devil's advocate about. Uh, you know your blue moon or your shock top and 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 the attempt to withhold information from the consumer and pose as something that you're not that's what i don't like about it i know it's not illegal i know that it's maybe uh, you know i can do my own research which i do and could find out that shock top is not a small craft brand but I don't like it, and I don't like it when it happens there, and I don't like it when it happens with Dad's Root Beer, who writes <laughs> a bunch of bullshit on their website. Clearly bullshit. Uh, and, that, and, and is owned by Four Loco. Yeah. And I just find, man, maybe this is why I'm never going to make a billion dollars, because I, just, I think it's a shitty thing there's to no, do. there's no, uh, you know, we don't have a good origin story. Well, because I'm not willing to lie. Right. <laughs> I'm not willing to make yeah. up the, here, the, the origin story is I didn't want to work for a living. So I started the brewing network in my garage. Yeah, and now I work. There there. you go. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, and and I apologize. It was kind of long and and rambling, but I thought there were a couple of key key parts in that, uh, you know, uh, it's partially owned by Pabst, who I think is driving some of this marketing, trying to position it as a Gruet Hmm. because it is a malt beverage. And uh, here's the guy who supposedly makes the shit. And Saying there's it has hops, hops in it. Right. And Which it's makes it not a gross. Loca, and it's just, it's a whole, it's a whole be, weird thing. It'd be better uh, off not putting hops in it. They're expensive. I and could hard put hops get. in my yeah. coffee, but I could put so small well, amount in there. I wouldn't even know it's No there. one's yeah. fighting for crystal, I don't think, though. So well, and so, uh, fine. so mm-hmm. that's why I was kind of reading the internet, the exchange between the reporter and the brewer, because he's like, uh, there's, a, there's a, uh, a pause between him listing these names. You made up the recipe. What are you pausing for? So it's like, are you trying to just figure... Anyway, it's a whole... <laughs> and it's not uh, like they make thing. a bunch of beers. Right. It's that one. And there's a couple more, but you can, we could probably be done. Yeah. What are they? <laughs> and on a down note. Okay. This one I thought was pretty good. Seven reasons to have a beer with lunch. But I'm only going to give you like three. All right, go. Okay. Uh, it's better at hydrating you than water. I don't know about that. In April of this year, The Telegraph, which is, this is all UK shit, reported that not drinking enough water has the same effect as drunk driving. (laughs) So dehydration (laughs) makes you the same as drunk. Uh, So it's it's, it's actually, it's slightly better at hydrating you at certain temperatures and everything being equal. Uh, But, you know, whatever. Um, I'll take it. You'll live longer. I don't get a hangover after drinking water. Right. Mm. Just saying. Whatever. I don't think you're not drinking enough. A study by researchers at Virginia Tech found that during a period of five years, non-drinkers were 19% more likely to die than those who enjoy one or two drinks a day for half the week. What's yeah, because, more, because they're depressed. Right. <laughs> right. Teetotalers were 56% more likely to be diagnosed with coronary heart disease. See, people, uh, it turns out I'm actually the healthiest person you know. That's actually <laughs> not true. My mom might be healthier than you. Wow. It's <laughs> pretty bad. And that's it. Those are the two. And then there's a, another thing about a hop soda we can talk about. But uh, no. Uh, I'm done with you. All right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, man, uh, look, I thought it was important to get the word out that uh, Four Loco owns not your father's That's drinker. a great little bit of information. I think you're yeah. right. Thanks. Hey, don't forget about our friends over in Martinez at Rocksteady Brewing Company. They are looking to open a newer, bigger, better Rocksteady Brewing. Right now, Rocksteady operates out of the basement of Creek Monkey on a very small uh, more beer system, I think, actually. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. They also do some uh, uh, partner brewing yep. Um, yep. Uh, to, to get beer to market, but they're looking to open uh, Martinez's uh, only brewery uh, right there across the street from Creek Monkey. And you can help them out um, by going over to rocksteadybrewing.com. And when you get there, you can click on their Indiegogo campaign and check it out. And they're looking to raise a bit of cash. There's a lot of cool stuff that you can get uh, over there, too. Uh, one of the cool things is for 200 bucks, you can get on the Rancid Rocksteady bus. They're all in the music over there at Rocksteady. And uh, by uh, paying 200 bucks, you get uh, Rocksteady uh, beer plus the Founders Club uh, level plus tickets to Rancid and a bus that's going to take you there. I guess this bus uh, is going to come from Martinez, head out to the Warfield to see Rancid, yeah. and stop at Fieldwork Brewing Company and Drake's dealership on the way. Uh, I went, nice. to, went to Drake's dealership yesterday. Really cool spot. Uh, so for 200 bucks, you can get in on that. Um, you know, you can get hats and shirts or growlers. Uh, you can get work shirts. Uh, go check it out. You can see all the different levels, and it's just a great way to support a local brewery. Uh, we've been working with Creek Monkey for some time now, and I'm wishing them luck. And I'd like you to help them out, especially if you want a, another brewery here in the East Bay. So go over to rocksteadybrewing.com, rocksteadybrewing.com, and check it out. Not owned by Pabst. In Not any percentage. Or for local. Actual, small, locally <laughs> owned brewery. Small town LLC. Like you can meet uh. the people who, uh, and he won't tell you some bullshit story. He'll be like, yeah, I really like beer and I really like rock and roll. Yeah. So I started Rocksteady Brewing <laughs> Company. And I like money. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, all right. So check that out. Do it. Twitter game? Twitter game. Let's do it. All right. What was it? Uh, since the Thanksgiving with black people hashtag sort of broke the internet this past Thanksgiving and gave us stereotypical insights into the popular holiday, I want to know what everyone thinks Christmas with the BN hashtag will show the world about us. Hmm. I'm into this. I'm curious. Okay. All right. Uh, someone called Beer Judge uh, says figgy pudding. Lots of figgy pudding. Uh, I've ever had figgy pudding. What is it? I don't pudding fig pudding. I don't know, dude. Oh, look up figgy. It's just fig with a what? Okay, sure. (laughs) What? What else would figgy? I don't know what a figgy is. It's British. (laughs) Who knows what that means? Want to find out? No, who cares? I don't care anymore. No. Um, Our friend Geist. Remember Geist? Yeah, is he still alive? He just tweeted. He says. uh, uh, the hashtag Christmas with the BN will show us a tree decorated in just nutters. Hmm. Which I think it's pretty appropriate. That could happen. Yeah. Uh, Lesher House Beer says every uh, everything is fine until dessert when Tasty McDole baked goods turn Thanksgiving real weird. Hmm. Shit does get weird then. <laughs> uh, someone called Beer just says it will show you that you can stuff a turkey without using your hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like that one. Yeah. Casey Price says, uh, Christmas with a BN will show us what it's like to never have your dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag lunch meat. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, uh, Kevin says, uh, the best topping for a backside brewing pumpkin ale pumpkin pie really is Bevo's homemade wacka wacka whipped cream. Oh. <laughs> now you put that on a shelf and it'll sell. <laughs> <laughs> it'll also spoil. <laughs> 
It's a sour, right? Yeah. So you're saying that would spoil us? All right. I like No Hands Turkey. I like No Hands Turkey too. Yeah. Winner. All right. No Hands Turkey. What's the person's name? Beer. Uh, beer. Send a, <laughs> send an email to Bevo at the Brewing Network. B e e v o. Bevo at thebrewingnetwork.com. And uh, you're now in. You're going to get a prize for winning the Twitter game. Oh. And you're entered for a chance to win a cabin on the Labruski Cruise with us happening in March. Uh, for the rest of you, click the Labruski Cruise logo on our homepage and go buy your ticket. Come party with us. It's going to be a good time. Also, don't forget about our great sponsor over at Adam and Eve. You can go to adamandeve.com right now, and you can use coupon code BNARMY. That's B-N-A-R-M-Y. And then you get a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, 50% off, a of bunch of DVDs, some free shipping, some toys mm. for you, some toys for her, some toys for you both. Mm. Uh, toys for the other guy. Toys, toys, toys. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it's cool stuff. You don't have to go to that creepy local store, which I haven't been into in a while, um, but I know it's still creepy. <laughs> They've been, they were asking uh, about you the yeah, other day. You know, you know, driving through Oregon, like uh, every truck stop has an adult store. It's just they're like these uh, nondescript brown buildings with very little <laughs> windows and a generic yellow sign that none of them have a name yeah. it just says adult store. adult yeah. and all I, and every time i pass by all i could think was dude adam and eve like why would you ever go to one of these creepy yeah, places you get for, half off for, for the roadside impulse buy you're driving down the freeway you're like oh yeah you know what i need you need a freeway wank isn't there a thing like, uh, like, uh, like with truck stops though yeah but yeah. that's a different thing uh go there's, to adam which thing <laughs> yeah what thing are like gas yeah, there are several, getting diesel there are several things that happen at rest stops and truck stops i'll tell you none of them good <laughs> stuff in church <laughs> no, the only good. one that's good is taking a leak anything more than that uh, AdamandEve.com. Use coupon code BNARMY. Support them. They support us. And, um, yeah, they, they save you from being a creep in public. Okay. I think we're done. I think we're done, too. Um, next week. Dude, we got a good show next week. What do we got? White Labs is coming oh, back to town. Party. And they're bringing... Wow. Uh, this time, it's not just Whitey who's coming in, which is going to be great. Haven't okay. seen him here in a while. Actually, I don't think he's ever been in the new studio. Um, but Kara Taylor uh, oh, from nice. White Labs, who is oh, nice. so much fun and so knowledgeable about yeast uh, that uh, it's going to be great to have them both in the studio with us. Very nice. I'm yeah. sure we'll see Mike White, too, you know, comes out. Yeah. So, guys... <laughs> Um, had a good time. Yeah. So get ready for a good show next week with White Labs. And I think that's all I have for you. Yeah. I have a drunk of the week call. Oh, my God. Oh. Barley yeah. Boy from Cleveland. Oh, no. He doesn't sound very drunk to me. Mm. Cleveland <laughs> rocks, though, I hear. I'm not really feeling it. You guys want me to take it? No, I'm never yeah. feeling it. What do you think, Tasty? No, everyone's voted. Hey, tell me. Tell me. I have to tell you. Got, tell me. Got, tell me. Yeah. He got vetoed. Oh, that's awful. It's, 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 already, it's a quarter after nine already. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so late for us. Yeah. God, yeah, we, we are, started early. We take the call. Away. I'm not going to take the call. Three, so, oh, you're awful. Just tell uh, him. Tell him. No, he didn't get in in time. Yeah, he's so. too late. Tell him we love him and whatever. I don't know. Tell him something nice. <laughs> We've already done the Twitter game, so the agenda is, is close. Oh. Oh. Tell him you'll take that over sweater off and get back to that under sweater, which is looking amazing. Don't, don't Only we, Bev has two different gradients of sweater. Don't we have an answering machine for that? It we is do. cold. I know, but I'm just saying that earlier I was—I didn't comment because I was trying to be professional. But the uh, other because somebody else was in the room that was an actual professional. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But the other sweater, Bebo, you're looking fantastic today. You got those things out everywhere. But then you put on that winter coat. Now you look like a polar bear. Well, <laughs> this little 
slightly upgraded closet gets freezing. I know. I had to turn the AC on for the professional guy, too. He's ruined it. My life is what's happened. <laughs> Bevo's sweater. Oh, is that Hogan's why it's always so hot in here? I've always wanted to appropriately use sweater Hogan. And, and in this case, it's appropriate. You know, Jamil brought me a, a heretic shirt, and he was like, I brought you a couple different sizes because I didn't know. Because yeah. of the. And then he called them sweater Hogan. And I was like, I love this can you just go away? Sweater Hogan. It's such a stupid. It's so good. Uh, but. I can love it. Yeah. Sweater Hogan. Do I have to talk? Can I just leave him on hold? No. No, give him the drunk of the week. Yeah. The, yeah. Have him leave a message. Actually, just get on with him and tell him he's on air. But it's just you doing oh, the interview. Yeah. yeah. And then go, you won. Yeah. yeah. Like, Hello. You're on the air. You get two votes. Um, Here, here's okay. what we do. We're gonna do that. You're no, gonna, you're gonna do that. but we're gonna put it on the air. We're, but none of us are gonna say anything. I'm gonna mute oh, yeah. us, and you're gonna do it. Are you ready? Oh crap! What was his name? Barley. Bo- okay. Barley boy. Get him, Bev. Right, everybody, shh, shh, it's just Bevo. I hate you. Hi, Barley. You're on the air with Beverly. Hi, Bevo. How's it going? I'm great. How are you? I'm a little drunk. Really? What have you had to drink? I've had about um, eight of my porters since my kids went to bed at nine. What um, coast are you on? Oh wait, you said Cleveland. Never mind. Figured that out. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm in Cleveland. Okay. That'll be the North Coast. Um. Spell anti-constitutionalistically for me. A N T I. Yeah, I don't care. You won. Congratulations! Yay! Bebo's more sad than we are. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought you, you had a drink. I thought you were going to hang up on him, but you just did the whole thing with him. Well, I thought you were just going to sit there thinking of dumb questions for 10 minutes. Um, so, what ocean is nearest you? Yeah. <laughs> right. What coast are you? Uh, I'm not. Yeah. None coast. You did great, Bebo. I did fine. I did better than you guys did. I think you did. Congratulations, Barley Boy. That's true. You, you, she didn't do great, but she did fine. Yeah. And that's all we really asked for. Yeah. yeah. All right, Barley Boy, I'm going to put you on hold. You can keep talking to Bevo and her sweater, Huggins. Barley Boy. God. <laughs> if you, if you, Barley Boy, if you listen very carefully, you can hear one of the midgets talk to the other one inside the sweater. Yeah. You can hear the fire start. It's a friction. There's, there's a lot of friction. sparks happening. Yeah. All right. You guys want to get out of here? Yes. Me too. All Me right, JP, too. take us away, will you? Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. Author of Craft Beer Marketing and Distribution, Brace for Skumageddon. Mark Colburn came in and dropped some knowledge on taking your home brew to the next level by becoming a successful professional brewer. You can find out more over at craftbeermarketingdistribution.com. Merge your love of Disneyland with your lack of engaging podcasts and go to earsuppodcast.com as JP, Terrence, Bebo, and Taryn talk about all things Disney. Ch- uh, go check out Moscow's Hop Cartoons over at hoplifestore.com. For some good beer inside and homebrew info, follow Nate Smith and Nathan Homebrew and Mike McDowell at Tasty McDee. Warren isn't all that interesting. Production director on the session has been Pushy Jack. Today's show was loosely produced by Justin Crossley. JP is suffering from eye strain from putting in some work on that new Star Wars Battlefront. Bebo is doing something, I'm sure, and your host was Justin Crossley. Be sure to find the Brew Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Justin's in my sky and winning the race. JP does great as his cherry.